So it's a very special day today. Today that that this episode releases. Did you say it's the day that lives in infamy, Brian? I would say it's our most solemn day um, until later when it became our second most solemn day Mm -hmm. after Good Friday. Right. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Between the the 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor and today, uh, there was this guy, this carpenter who Mm -hmm. showed up. Um, and like, what if, what if he was born? Okay. But like, what if he was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? Like what if, and then like, what if he, what if he was in Nazareth, Pennsylvania growing up? Like, bro, that's a crazy ass thought. Maybe he was, maybe he like made cheeses. I don't know if the world is ready for this. Um, Wait, wait. Okay. So hold on. I just, I need to get this straight. We're getting, cause between that point and now that guy died. Okay. It was on a Friday. Yes. And that's, we call it Good Friday. And it's like, like ironically, what, you mean good? Yeah. No, it's because his death was our salvation. So it's good for us, not good for him. Yeah, because he actually had a lot of slaves and we had to kill him Whoa. to set them free. Hmm. Whoa. The slaves were us. I was the slave. I was the slave to. Yeah, no, that guy like took over the whole country. Everyone forgot what happened in the 70s, but it was bad. Okay, wait, I just I need to be very clear about this. In your ranking, it's number one. Yeah. Good Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, Pearl Harbor. Mm. Yeah. Number three, 9-11. You mean Patriots Day? Oh, is that what they they call it? Yeah, it's Patriots Day. Yeah. Um, Not to be confused with St. Patriots Day, the holiday from Tom Goes to the Mayor. See, I thought you were going to say that today is a day that is very special because it is the day that SpaghettiOs oh. posted a picture of a SpaghettiO yeah. uh, waving an American flag, let, uh, <laughs> letting us know that we will never forget the bombing of Pearl yeah. Harbor. And people got mad at that. Like, people are so unpatriotic now yeah, yeah. that they got mad at Hiram SpaghettiO. <laughs> It was part of the very long old Spaghetti-o. SpaghettiO wasp family yeah, well, was out of the, the, the Massachusetts SpaghettiOs. That's that's who he is. It's weird. They still like have their whole like uh, compound on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> Say yeah. we celebrate Pearl Harbor. After after they kicked out Chef Boyardi. They, yeah, uh, yeah. I think the worst <laughs> thing about Hiram SpaghettiO. Well, he's dead now. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the yeah. worst well, thing about Hiram SpaghettiO Jr. Right. is running. I think it now. the worst thing about right. Hiram SpaghettiO Jr., who also made that tweet, uh, uh-huh, is uh-huh. the way that he also has been really aggressively trying to rehabilitate Alan Dershowitz's reputation. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, no, sure. no, no. I mean, like he's not in the black book, but right. there is a number that belonged to one of his former uh, receptionists. I guess my question about the original Hiram SpaghettiO yeah. is that when he yeah. was shot outside the Texas Book Depository, did uh-huh. he just go through the circle in the middle of him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he famously did not die or even get injured yeah. uh, on that day. <laughs> he in was Texas. eaten mere moments later. <laughs> Weirdly, that was like three months before John F. Kennedy was killed from the mm. Book Depository. Yeah. Like, that book depository has mm-hmm. killed so many people. Yeah, and it, it will must be kill stopped. again. Yeah. <laughs> it must be stopped. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome.
Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that has killed and will kill again. I'm the worst <laughs> of all possible Joshes. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. And I'm the worst of all possible Bryans. Enjoying my nice big cold can of SpaghettiOs <laughs> okay, so here's with what's meatball. You know what's really sickening? Yeah. I actually do eat cold SpaghettiOs what from the can sometimes. I, that, I, I did that when I was a child. Yeah, I don't do this as an adult. I know, I still do it. I'm a it's sicko. Okay. We're, we're, yeah. we're back, obviously, for another case yeah. study in the pop culture of a dying empire. Yeah. And this week, we decided, because it is Pearl Harbor Day, yeah. um, to, to re- repeat our now annual tradition yeah. <laughs> of doing episodes about Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I hope you're ready. We're going to do this for the rest of time. <laughs> as long as this show exists, we're going to talk about Pearl Harbor we every year. We must run out of it eventually. You right? don't we run, out, never of run out of Pearl Harbor No, there's Harbor so media. much Pearl Harbor. And, like, we're not going to be around that long. Come on. <laughs> I was talking to my mom about this, and she was recommending, like, I guess Lo- Lois Lowry, who wrote The Giver. She wrote a children's book about oh, yeah. Pearl Harbor no that we could read. Like, way. There's so many yeah. options. But oh, God. Like this, Lois Lowry. this time around, again, back to the point of sickos, we've decided to watch like fucking Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. <laughs> and. Oh, Peter, The Giver. <laughs> Was, was 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 watching Pearl Harbor my idea? Because if so, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, this one was you, Josh. Okay. This one was okay. all I feel you. like it was also partly me. Maybe that's yeah. just my constant need to like take attention and or blame for things. Uh, right. Like <laughs> I I was immediately hard when we mentioned doing this. Yeah. yeah. I have never seen this movie. I just remember it coming out and it was like this other kind of girly movie about mm-hmm. a historical tragedy yes. right? right they yes. did titanic mm-hmm. titanic was this weirdly huge hit where like it didn't catch on immediately but mm-hmm. then it stayed in theaters for right. like a full fucking year because Forever, people yeah. kept going to see it that's james cameron he only makes hits yeah and well very excited for avatar the, the way of the water we're we gonna go oh, see yeah, that I about the not abyss. we all gonna go see the way of the water what? No. Oh, no, no, oh yeah that's right um, the abyss didn't, didn't so make it. you know like studios especially michael eisner's disney slash touchstone pictures right. mm-hmm. really wanted to replicate the success of that and so they're like what's the next thing we can do 9-11 hasn't happened yet right right uh so it would happen pretty soon after oh, dear yeah. listener which yeah. makes watching this movie very interesting in <laughs> retrospect <laughs> yeah so dvd sales for pearl harbor spiked after 9-11 really? because That's in weird. Michael Bay's own words it was cool to be patriotic again mm, mm. Uh, and then they watch the movie and they're like why did I fucking buy this um, <laughs> three hours it's so long and it like it's it's again they're like they're just trying to do Titanic they're trying to yes. do what Titanic did so they have mostly fictional characters one like real guy mm-hmm. that's sort of a, or a one like sort of you know in the same way that like uh, Kathy Bates was Molly Brown. Brown yeah. right. The, the Kimba Whitting Jr. character, you yes, mean, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Why isn't the movie about him? Well, we'll get to that. Um, but <laughs> oh, You think that maybe there could be a good movie about Dory Miller? Maybe? You think? Yeah. He like, real... has an arc and there's three scenes. It's insane. Yeah. But, um, and he should be played by a better actor. We should Ooh, talk, though, about Michael Bay a little bit before yeah. we dig into Michael talking about the movie Bay. itself. Because this movie came off the, the hits, like the almost consecutive hits of his two movies that are now in the Criterion Collection. Yes. <laughs> which we will probably be covering on fantasy movie the time rock. at some point. The Rock, which is fantastic. The other one, of course, being Don't Wanna Close My Right. Always I right. always forget that Armageddon's in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> that's that's fucking wild to me. I don't know who made the decision, but they made it, and so here we are. 
it, it's just so that we can say it. It right? is a it's culturally significant film. You can't it argue is. that it's I mean, not. I mean, that's the truth is that Michael Bay is actually a very culturally significant director. I just hate I hate that. I hate that with every fiber of my being. You watch his movies and what's interesting about like researching his life is that Michael Bay is exactly who you think he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the man, there is nothing about that man under the surface. No, no, no. He is right there in front of you. I believe friend of the show, Patrick Willems, once referred to him as the himbo auteur. Mm. (laughs) And I can't disagree with that. Well, and I think, yeah, the last 10 years, we've seen some more like unusual stuff from him, like Ambulance, which I haven't seen. Uh, and Pain and Gain, which is like a legitimately fascinating movie. Right. Um, but like the 90s, he was just the guy who did the style the best. Uh, so I got some facts about Michael Bay. If oh we want to dive deep into the bay. I am strapped in. So this is or the harbor. Even. So a lot of this information comes oh. from this article in Oral History of Michael Bay, the most explosive director of all time <laughs> by Sean Fennessy. Uh, it was done by GQ. Oh, boy. And so Michael Benjamin Bay, the prodigal mm. son of L.A. That means Michael, the son of Bay. Benjamin Bay. Uh, the prodigal son. I don't know. That's a sweet Todd. Yeah. yeah just for me. Oh, boy. Uh, Michael Benjamin Bay was born in 1965 and raised in the Valley by his adoptive parents, Harriet and Jim Bay, a child Wait, psychologist. Valley? The Valley of L.A. Oh, oh you okay. don't know what the Valley means. You don't know what the Valley is, Josh? Oh, wow. Or... I don't fucking, I don't care about California. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. It's the San Fernando Valley. Sorry. Yes. It's where, yeah. it's where a lot of, uh, the porn industry, uh, yeah, it's the oh, Valley. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The infamous story, uh, that Bay likes to tell is that when he was a kid, he attached firecrackers to his toy train and then filmed the results with his mom's eight millimeter camera, mm. uh, which resulted in the fire department being called and Michael right. Bay being grounded. And the <laughs> regular man, Gomez Adams. Yeah. <laughs> the man has and always will be an explosion guy. He went to Wesleyan, which means now we have two in a row. Oh my God. Two weeks in a row. We've covered Wesleyan. I was grads. fucking telling you it's a school for sickos. I wasn't joking. Yeah, oh, but Bay hated it. Oh, he hated it there so much. He called it Quote, very clicky. They all wore dark clothing and they were always, quote, his favorite class at Wesleyan was a class on movie musicals. And Mm. he claims that that's what he wants to do with his action is to make them in that sort of surreal space that musicals live. Hmm. And when you watch his movies, I think you kind of get a sense of that. It's a little bit more prominent. Maybe some of the older ones. I feel like once you get to like Transformers, it's just kind of messy. Yeah, Mm. it gets really sloppy. It gets too into the like Paul Greengrass territory where you can't tell what the fuck's going on anymore. Yeah, the camera's real shaky. Some of that also might have to do with the fact that like at that point too, you're moving away from like actual physical miniatures and stuff like that. Yeah. It all becomes digitally compositive. It's yeah. CGI. Yeah. Although um, this movie has a fair amount of does. CGI and compositing and it all actually, right. Almost all looks very, very good. Pretty good. Yeah. Especially yeah. given, given the, given the era. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, like the one, there was really like one or two shots when, when we're seeing the English planes flying mm-hmm. that are very, very bad CGI. Yeah. And I was like, Oh wow. It was like the first point where it popped mm-hmm. out. And I was yeah. like, I wonder if it's going to be like that on the attack, but no, the attack looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah there's one shot in the attack where um, like the, the ship explodes sort of from the inside mm-hmm. that CGI that, I, that took me out of it. But for mm-hmm. pretty much the whole rest of the actual attack on Pearl Harbor, yeah. like it looks really, it looks really impressive. Um, so he gets his start doing uh, the original Got Milk commercial. Oh, and he did uh, the Aaron Burr commercial. Uh, yes. That's oh my, my that's, God. That's directed by Michael Bay. Aaron Burr, sir. Yeah. He didn't get it. Uh <laughs> Well, it depends who's asking. Oh, well, sure, sir. Uh, 
It's so uh, dude, Why don't you both just talk less and smile hey, more? Yes. Who That's is right. this for? So, Whose children are <laughs> they? So uh, he also does three music videos for Meatloaf, including oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. including I Do Anything for Love, but yeah. I Won't Do That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are, uh, which got an amazing uh, shout out in the HBO series How To with John Wilson. And also, finally, Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through, which starred a very young Angelina Jolie. How about that? Oh, yeah. Here is how his creative partner, Brad Fuller, uh, described Michael Bay on uh, his first big set. Uh, The first time I saw Michael, he was doing a video and there was the hottest blonde girl I've ever seen in my life. And she's got a wind machine on her. She's dancing. She looks hot. She's wearing a short skirt. He's shooting her from a low angle. And he looked at a few of us and there was this look in his eyes like he had reached nirvana. Uh. It was childlike wonderment. I think childlike is really the key here because, you know, there are a lot of comparisons to draw between this movie and Top Gun. And we will do that. Yes. Tony Scott was a commercial director, just like his brother Ridley. And I feel like Tony Scott never fully abandoned that sense of being a commercial director. Absolutely. Michael Bay is also a big commercial director. Yeah, he's doing music videos as well because that's where. There at that time, it's so hard to believe now. There was more the money, money was, in yeah. that than there was even in commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was also like doing commercials left and right. But Tony Scott has a much more like libidinal energy to mm-hmm. him. Yes. There is so much sex in what he does. Whereas like Michael Bay is is perpetually like 12 years old yeah yes. he's like ooh, a, a pretty girl but he doesn't show too much and he certainly has no interest in like the male physique yeah until no. you get to pain and gain which is a different kind of it's a non-sexual there, expression of that there's a lot of butts in this movie there's a lot of male butt in this movie but it's yeah, never but sexualized it's, yeah, not, there's, it's there's, not tony scott it's not top gun and it's Absolutely what you not. do every time you have some kind of military movies you have the big scene with everyone's took us out in view you you yeah. actually get a lot of full-blown nudity in the 19 1928 silent picture wings. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Pre-code. You could do all that kind of stuff. Oh, fascinating. Um, So, yeah. So studios were because of Tony Scott, we get Michael Bay. Yeah. Like the studios yeah. were actively recruiting commercial directors to direct their things because Top Gun was such a hit. So without Top Gun, we don't have Michael Bay. Yeah. We don't have his entire career. Was uh, it worth it? Uh, yeah. Uh, Let me work it. Great. Um, uh, so uh, they offer him Saving Private Ryan. That's the oh, first offer. Oh, my God. Which, no. Can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine oh Michael Bay Saving Private Ryan? I mean, I God. can, but I don't like it. Yeah, the yeah. only thing that I think saves sa- Saving Private Ryan huh, is that Spielberg is the one behind yeah, the of helm course. of it. Of like, course. Yeah. And Spielberg has that nice bridge between these loftier sensibilities and being like still a very like purely commercial director. Absolutely. Right. But he doesn't like he will never sacrifice the art itself for the sake of commercial appeal. He yeah, he, right. he finds a way to unify the two. Yeah. And he, yeah. That and there's something he, that's just very honestly built into what Steven Spielberg yes. is. Yeah. And what that means is that the swings that he takes, he's not going to take the kinds of swings that you're going to see more auteur type directors take. Yeah. So he's mm. swinging with a certain target in mind, but he always almost always hits. So Michael Bay actually is being offered all these scripts, but he can take his time because he's making a shit ton of money from commercials and from doing these music videos for meatloaf (laughs) for meatloaf. So he can, he can be, he's like, he can really like be picky about what script he picks. And, uh, they brought him in to do bad boys, right? Which was, which originally starred. And this is true. John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. No, surely not. They shot, 
Uh, I guess te- there is test footage that exists of Michael Bay's version of this with Incredible. John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. And they brought to the studio heads and they're like, well, this is deeply unfunny. And so they did a whole casting search. It, there's some debate about who actually ended up picking Will Smith. Uh, Martin Lawrence at- came on first because he was the bigger star at the time. Sure. Yeah. And uh, movie magic was born. Yeah. People went sh- nuts for bad boys because Michael Bay knows how to make someone look like a movie star. Yeah, Michael and Bay knows how to shoot the shit out of everything. He knows how to do the the low angle dolly shot that makes mm-hmm. everything seem very large and you'll get a lot of that in this movie as well. You he knows sure how will. to do cool guys walking away from explosions without mm-hmm. looking back and it also is worth noting that it is also Jerry Bruckheimer's commercial savvy as a yes. producer yes. Yeah. that yes. is so integral to this as well. So then comes The Rock. Michael Bay is an incredibly combative director, or at mm-hmm. least he can be oh, sometimes. Oh, yeah, no, there's a lot of stories of him just fighting with people on set. And, nice. and The Rock works for me because Sean Connery deserves to be yelled at. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, sure. I'm fine with the combativeness because Connery's <laughs> such a be fucking asshole. Play. He Absolutely. does. He does. And Nick Cage was such a wild card on that thing. Like, he walked out, like, on the first day, not in his wardrobe, but in a bright purple speedo and Michael Bay was like okay sure he's got to get this out of his system we're just doing the whole first scene with him in the purple speedo and then we'll we'll, we'll go from there <laughs> so Michael Bay claims that Armageddon is supposed to be a joke making fun of the system no it's not it is a fully sincere <laughs> disaster movie yeah, there's no, no joke come on no it's wild it's you just don't like get Bruce Willis for an insincere movie no you don't get Steven Tyler to sing like a top 40 hit from Delilah <laughs> Right. (laughs) For a parody, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is that like Michael Bay has like very few actors that do repeat movies with him. Mm. But one of those actors shows up in Armageddon. Yeah. A young Ben Affleck. Okay. Who considers Michael Bay to be an auteur. He's like, say what you want about the guy. You watch a Michael Bay movie, you know immediately that it's a Michael Bay movie. Those two guys are cut from the same cloth, though. You can tell. Like, they're they're both himbos. And and it's interesting because, you know, Ben Affleck had, like, a bad reputation as an actor. Like, he was someone who could, who was a star who could get people in the seats, but was not necessarily considered good. That's what I remember most about Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And having watched Pearl Harbor... I see why he's terrible. Yeah. He's fucking awful in yeah. this movie. Can I can I just say that I didn't mind him as much as I thought I would. I remember watching like at least like the first 40 minutes of this when I was a kid and getting bored and turning it off. Yeah. But I remember at the time it being like viscerally like not like nails on a chalkboard watching okay. him. Act. Yeah. And I thought this time I'm just like, oh, that's just Ben Affleck. You know, like at this point, I'm so like maybe it's exposure to treatment, it. yeah. exposure therapy. Like you've seen so much of him that you've been desensitized to just how maybe, bad maybe you've seen like the good stuff and you're like, yeah. ah, he was fine as Richard Burbage. I don't know. I, I think I think it's like it's not the worst thing I've ever seen in a Michael. It's not the worst performance I've seen in a Michael Bay movie. No, it's not the worst performance in this movie. That's true. No, no, no. We will We've get got there. a lot of them. Um, but yeah. yeah, so Ben Affleck then Armageddon was their first collaboration. Yes. And so as a result of that, he's now in Michael Bay's Rolodex. And we get Michael Bay being like, OK, so I have made uh, all these big action movies. Right. And I want to try and actually like broaden myself and like try and do like a more intelligent like for lack of a better phrase Oscar bait kind of picture and it turns out that the studios were also looking for the next Titanic and they're like well who does disaster better than Michael Bay so they have this Pearl Harbor script and Brian I think you can talk about the screenwriter a little bit yeah yeah so this (laughs) this script is by Randall Wallace more like Wendell Wallace no. So Randall Wallace, if you need to know anything about this guy, you just need to know that he wrote the screenplay for We Were Soldiers, the movie about how the Vietnam War was good, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That is not the Green Berets, the one that John Wayne made when the Vietnam War was still happening. This was his other 
Now, We Were Soldiers actually happens after Pearl Harbor, but right. that's the one that I always think of when I think of just this absolute fucking dipshit yeah. writer. He right. also wrote the Secretariat movie, which I guess was very important to him, and it was important to nobody else. And he wrote the screenplay to Braveheart. Yes. That was his right. big breakout, yes. which was a nominated for an Oscar, but did not win. So yeah. it's like on paper, you've got the pieces for the collaboration. You've got Michael Bay, mm-hmm. who is a very commercially successful director, still coming off the heels of uh, Armageddon, which did mm-hmm. very, very well. Yes. You've got, what's the name again? Randall, the guy whose name yeah, you I, fucked up, Josh, on up. purpose for a joke, and now you can't remember These it. are really a joke. Randall huh? Wallace, and you can remember this because when he wrote Braveheart, he said, I think I'm a descendant of William Wallace. Oh, that's, yeah, that's like, funny. I feel it in my heart. So, yeah. yes, you've got Randall this Wallace. from Tennessee. We've got a guy who really knows how to direct a movie. We've got a guy who really knows how to write a movie. Yeah. What could go wrong? And the answer, dear listener, is a fucking a lot. lot. Yeah, a ton right. of stuff can a go wrong. A whole lot. Yeah. So Dick Cook, who is the former chairman for Disney, said that Pearl nope. Harbor nope. was... What? No, nope. no, that's not a man. That is not a name. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Man. Yeah, no, it's not. I thought a, I got it factually wrong, but Dick no, you're Cook? Just, yeah, his name Cook. is Dick Cook. Dick Cook. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's Dick Cook. It's Dane's uh, yeah. great grandfather. <laughs> uh, Comes from a long line of Dick Cooks. Yeah, out there cooking dicks. <laughs> num, 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 num. So Dick Cook. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a long podcast. Uh, the former chairman of Disney said that yeah. Pearl Harbor was one of the most difficult shoots in modern history. Wow, I can believe uh, it. Yeah. Affleck describes it as the idea was. Uh, to kind of make a movie that could be released in the 40s, unironic, slightly naive, sure. with new technology. That is a, such a fucking stupid idea from him. Yes. That's not what this movie is. No, no, That's no, no. That's not no. what this movie feels like. What a stupid, stupid man. Well, first of all, they tried it. For exactly one morning shoot. Day uh-huh. one, they lasted from like, I guess, 6 a.m. to noon trying to shoot it in the old-fashioned way. No quick cuts, none of, like, Bay's, like, very hyper-specific, I like, don't believe shots, this for a second. This angles. is Hollywood myth-making. Right? And no, then, I believe it. And then at lunch break... You would. Uh, when they came back from lunch, You're they naive. just started shooting uh, exactly the way Michael Bay would always shot, and the quote that Michael Bay has from this is, I don't change my style for anybody. Pussies do that. <laughs> yeah. It's not written like a 1940s movie. Even though it is trying yeah. to be simultaneously Torah, 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 and From Here to Eternity, right. it's trying to do that through the lens of it's the 1990s. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I watched the behind-the-scenes featurette for Pearl Harbor, which is on YouTube, and it's just one of those, like, studio, like, myth-making kind of videos where it's yeah. just like, oh, the most important film yeah. of the millennium, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, the Willennium, because yeah. this is technically the Willennium. Yeah, we we're kicking the off the Willennium. Yeah. yeah, and Jar Jar is the key to all this. He yeah. is, he really is. Uh, but it, there was, like, it almost exclusively focuses on the Pearl Harbor attack itself, which is actually probably the whole, what this whole movie should be because this movie is 30 minutes of Pearl Harbor and then two and a half hours of just yeah. bullshit. And I guess we might as well. This is as good as opportunity yeah. as any to so, get into talking about what happens in this stupid yeah, fucking movie. We, we start with a fucking flashback. Yeah. Yeah, baby. We start with two 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 young American boys in in the wheat fields of um, of America. Nice little title card. Just Tennessee, 1923. <laughs> right with a sunset, an orange sunset. Yeah. Like, hmm, maybe yeah. some other. Yeah. A Aviation mm. movie, perhaps mm. opened with an orange mm. sky. Magic, yeah, I magic hour. Uh, pistol? No, that mm. can't be right. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, mm. we've got a crop duster here, which, by yeah. the way, apparently is completely anachronistic. Like, it's, like it's crop all dusters over the place. apparently wouldn't come out for another year yet. <laughs> like, That's really funny. <laughs> also, like, wait, did it really say 1920? 
1923. So they're like 10 here. And these guys are like in their 30s, I guess. Okay, whatever. We're not, we're, we're just not putting them in. Okay, so they're like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, it, we're pretending it's World War One yeah. in this, in this crop duster that's like, it's broken down. It's, it's a, even though this is a new thing, Which it's totally broken down. Which actually makes it even down. more yeah. anachronistic. Like, this yeah. is like a plane that looks like it's been flown for like 20 years and then retired for five. They shipped uh, it back from Germany from World War One. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. They're fighting the Germans. Right. They're pretending to fly this plane and this... Yeah. And one of the kids' dads is a crop duster, and he lands his, his his active plane, and they jump in that, and then they accidentally fly it and successfully land it. This whole sequence is so fucking stupid. And then stupid. the dad yeah. comes over, and he's like, come here, boy, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. He's like, you're a German. Yeah, and the kid's like, I'm still playing World War One. Get off of him, you lousy kraut. And then the dad <laughs> stops being a 1920s alcoholic yeah. father. He yeah. stops beating his child to be like, And then he becomes like, a true American hero. I, I fought the Germans. I hope Ugh. you boy never see a war ever in your damn life. And then he just staggers off. A so, mess. so this guy- so th- this this dad is played by Steve Rankin, who you've probably seen in like great face, great uh, face man. Tr- truly, like you, you, he's that guy. He's he's the definition of oh that guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he gives a lot of gravitas to that line when he's an American hero. But God, this script fails him. Yeah. Oh my God. So much well, better than this fucking. It garbage. doesn't really fail him because it's over now. The scene's done. It's it. it he it, was on yeah. set for a day. And you might yeah. think that this scene is significant, and you'd be pretty wrong. No, um, it's just that these yeah, we boys the, are friends. Right. We set up that Ben Affleck has dys- dyslexia, which is I, important for a little later, Wait, I that's guess. that's what that was supposed to set up? I yeah. just thought he misspelled oh, something because wow. he was a younger kid. That's really bad. That's yeah. very bad. That's really bad. But yeah, so we got Rafe and Danny, yep. and yeah. Ben Affleck is Rafe, McCauley, and yeah. Josh Hartnett. Th- Big big boy Josh Hartnett. He was yeah. only twenty three yeah. at the time this movie was I shot. Got, I got Danny say, Walker. Josh Hartnett is very easy on the eyes in this film. Josh yes. Hartnett actually puts together an okay performance in this. I, too. I like, actually, I, think, I actually think it's one of the stronger ones. Yeah, in I the think film. he's yeah. really the draw for this movie. If we were talking about actual acting, yep. yeah, uh, yeah. So we are now in Long Island. The year is nineteen forty one, and um. It's the buzzing the tower scene from Top Gun. Yes, yeah. Yep. The thing uh-huh. is, Absolutely. Ben Affleck's just too much of a goddamn maverick, as yeah. Alec Baldwin, who is also here, <laughs> says. Yeah. The first of our parade. This is like a Kenneth Branagh movie. It's yeah. like here's yeah. another big celebrity. It's like, oh, okay, and he's gone. But yeah, yeah. Um, they they are they they're they're flying. They're a little bit too much of renegades. You know, they yeah. fly a little too close. They piss off the commanding officer. Well, it's an Odyssey bit, is what I the note I took. It's like we're going left, right, right. Wait, yeah. you mean right? No, left. Yeah, and it's like I was I, yeah. I was like, oh god, they've they've got Odyssey in my Pearl Harbor. You got your Pearl Harbor in my Odyssey. Say. Sam Saburo. But yeah, um, uh, great news for you, Rafe, uh, Ben Ben Affleck. You're going to Top Gun. Yeah, he's going to Top Gun. English Top Gun. So you're doing this thing that did not happen for a lot of reasons where we were not involved in the war and we get all this newsreel stuff. It's like, why is America going to be in this war? Um, And like, he's just like, you're being reassigned. To the British Air Force. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, apparently. There were a lot of Americans. Did this happen? There were a lot okay. of Americans who fought for the RAF, but you couldn't do that as part of the Air Force. Yeah, no, you, it was, oh. Because we were neutral. That, that's right. That, you would be court-martialed. Correct. You would get fucked up. You would, it would be illegal. And so right. a lot of it was like volunteers 
who many of them actually joined the Canadian RAF. Mm. Oh, interesting. And then went over. But there were other people. It's sort of like how now we have people who are like going over to Ukraine. It's you're not having the U.S. Army saying you're headed to Azovstal. Get your bags. Well, it's also that I have to talk you out of actually going to the front. It's like, I'm supposed to say, don't go. Uh, It's like, no, he he would be doing this on his own and then wouldn't be welcomed back with entirely open arms at that moment in time. I really was floored by just how closely this mirrored the beginning of Top Gun. Yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. the same. It's yeah, actually the same. They're just doing that. But we should. Do y'all think that British Top Gun is called Pip Pip Pistol? No, I don't think it's called that at, at all. all. No. Um. <laughs> so we should also have a moment here to talk about our two. It's called Top of the Gun to you. Oh, that's the Irish Top Gun. Northern Irish. Oh, it's British. I see that still, is British, yeah. yeah. This is a unionist podcast. <laughs> Fuck yes, to be it very is. clear, it is not a unionist podcast. <laughs> Let's uh, do this. No, we are no. We are fully no, unionist. We are, not. We are, we are fully not. royalist. No, we are a Republican yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. that gets confusing. Very quick. confusing. Yeah. Very, yeah. Quick. Yeah. very confusing. We've got again Rafe, Ben Affleck, and Danny, Josh yeah. Hartnett. What should we know about these guys? Uh, they are played by Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett. They yes. are they are such good friends. <laughs> yes, that the that friends. the Navy just keeps stationing them together wherever they go. Yeah. So we start with boys as child. Yeah. They fly in the plane to goddamn Maverick. Right. Great. Maverick. Because that's, to now we're on a train with a bunch of nurses and they're telling a story in flashback. It's it's, yeah. it's wild because so the nurses are all like. I was out jabbing some asses and here's some asses that I jabbed. And then we find out Ben Affleck is like, I can't look at the, the eye chart, but it's not because my eyes are bad. It's because sometimes the letters, they just switch around right. on me. We've got nurses. We got hot lady nurses. Yeah. They're one on, of whom is Evelyn played by Kate, Kate Beckinsale. Beckinsale. They're on there. Jennifer Garner's there too. And oh, yeah, she's right. mousy. And I thought they were going to do a moment where she takes off her glasses and is not mousy. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's like a, that feels very appropriate for Michael Bay and for right. this era. And then it's like, oh, wow, she's other Kate Beckinsdale. That didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Are you calling her P- Kate Beckinsdale? Uh, Kate Beckinsdale. It's Beckinsale. Uh, no, no. And actually now it's Beckinsdale. Okay, <laughs> We're well, going to do this for the rest of the episode. Uh, just she is Beckinsdale. Yeah, she's she's beckoning us to the Dale. Mm. That's yeah. her name. No, it's Beckinsale. Beckinsale. Beckinsale? Yeah, yeah. Beckinsale. But no, it's not. Yes, it, yes, it is. Josh, oh, Josh, no. Yes. oh no! Oh dear! Yeah, no, it is. Okay. No, no, no! It's Beckinsale now. To me, no, she's Beckinsale. I'm, I'm doing gaslight. No, to she's Beckinsale to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about the scene with the women on the train is that it is the first shot in the movie <laughs> for me that's just like this is a hundred percent like Michael Bay yeah. shooting women. Like mm-hmm. it is. It, it, they're all very glo- glossed up. There's lens flare. Like it's all warm oranges. And these yeah. women are horny for dick. And yeah. that's like their entire personality. Yeah, they're all just like giggling and talking in like Long Island accents and well, stuff. They love meeting boys. There's some interesting gender going on here. Michael Bay's interest in gender is ultimately that of a 12 year old. It's not. I wouldn't even call it an adolescent conception of gender. Yeah. It's it's just like you got the the boys and you got the like, girls. Ooh, look at that girl over there. She's so hot. Yeah. She's yeah. so hot. Like, I think about the fact that, like, in Transformers, this was also, I guess, the time when we said this word. Everyone just says pork all the time. Mm. You know, pork her. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that is the Michael Bay word for sex. Yes, it's pork yeah. porking. Well, I guess, okay. Porking so, across America. This, <laughs> this is actually, that? I think, a really good time to talk about Kate Beckinsale. Sorry, 
beckons Dale's. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, time <laughs> on this movie, because okay. like many women who have worked for Michael Bay, uh, it was not a pleasant experience. What? Uh, he does not treat women he does not find attractive well, and even women he does find attractive, he does not treat them very well. He I don't want him shocked. Yeah. This is a quote from Beckinsale. Uh, sorry, Beckinsdale on yep. Working with Bay. Uh, <laughs> I think he was Kate very alarmed. Beckinsdale. <laughs> I think he was very alarmed because I wasn't blonde and my boobs weren't bigger than my head. Hmm. I didn't make sense to him as an attractive wom- woman. So there was a lot of panic and concern over how on earth are we going to make her attractive. That's so weird. You think you'd take that really personally, but I sort of managed not to. It's so extreme, I kind of did it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is wild to me because Kate Beckinsale is so yeah. one of the most attractive women on the face of the planet. Yeah, I mean that's why she's cast in this movie. She's so Some studio note pretty. cast her because she is conventionally quite attractive, right? But not to Michael Bay. And because it's fun Michael- to give people like big, wishy, curly hair yeah. and big red lipstick and nurse uniforms. I mean, come on, it, it writes itself, right? But it's it's like Michael Bay can't get past his like preconceived notions of the porn that he watched when he was 12 years old. And I'm not saying that the women in those porns aren't attractive. I'm just saying that there is a wide spectrum of beauty in this world, but there's only one for Michael Bay, yeah. and it is the bazongas the size of your head. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's very truly a boobs man. We also meet a guy named Red who has a stutter. Oh yeah, yeah. do we even need to talk about this? No, no, no. Guy? his name is Red, and we, he has a stutter. That's him. That's the whole guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it, will have a very weird dark payoff. Yeah. <laughs> he he actually has a bigger arc in this movie than most of the main yeah. characters. Yeah. Yes. Am I supposed to be laughing at this guy's stutter? Yes. Like that's it, it's a comedy role, right? Like it's supposed to be I comedy. Guess. Paper, yes. Yeah, yeah sure. but he's gross but and bad. You get but a like fair... the main joke is that he gets more pussy than everyone. Right. Right. Because he uses the stutter for it. You get a fair bit of this with all of these different characters here because the next scene that we go into is all of them being at, I guess, a club in. New York City. Yeah. And um, the boys all have their plans for how to seduce the women. But then ultimately what ends up happening is like, it doesn't actually matter what their strat is because all the girls are DTF. Yeah, right. So right. Like, that's why they came to the city was yeah, to get some. They all put on their Sunday clothes with all the world that's out there. <laughs> put on the Sunday clothes. <laughs> it was between that or real life girl. I was like, there's a lot of Broadway musicals like that it. we could go from. I like it. Not dogfight because it's off Broadway. That's true. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, they, they all go on their little quirky dates. Yep. And, and like there's some there's some mishaps. We got some little giggly moments. And then, right. uh, not giggly moments, giggly moments. <laughs> yes, that would come later. That would come a few years later. Yeah, and then one, and then Rafe goes to England. Well, yes. Yeah. Although before Rafe goes off to England, a couple yeah. a couple little things here. Yeah, we I spent an inordinate amount of time <laughs> yeah. watching. No, this is what the movie's about. It, it's yeah. so fucking like. The length of the scene of fucking Ben Affleck and Kate Beckins Dale, uh, you know, going out. They, She's they, my favorite rescue ranger. <laughs> they go and they go and board the Queen Mary. Like yeah. so many yeah. things yeah. happen. Yeah. That one. That one Tobias got a lot of the. It. That one got a lot of the old like World War Two guys mad because oh, sure. the Queen Mary was painted gray at this time. Oh, military sure. colors. Yeah. That's what they were mad about. Oh, no, they were mad was, about a lot of no, other they things. They were mad about so much. Yeah, but the thing is about them they can be mad about each thing right like it, to the same intensity yes. like it's all the yes. same yeah. especially if they're on the spectrum <laughs> uh, i just wanted to point that out that like if you're the kind of guy who's gonna like have extreme detail oriented stuff about like ships 
airplanes, outfits, airplanes, serial numbers. It's almost yeah. as if the Navy attracts a certain kind of guy. I just mm, got to yeah. say it. Yeah, almost like, like the rail industry. And you know what? I love them in their cute little boats. Um, I think that, that that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 your level of engagement with this. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, nice little cute boat. Every guys, they got their hats. New York, New York. Yeah, it's a hell of a town. It's a hell of a town. They have a great day on the town. Yeah, and I just really want to emphasize how much they love their. It's boats. a wonderful town. Yeah, so they steal. A, they're they're going to try and steal a boat. But the, the the thing about this section that really strikes me is yeah. we go into Baz Luhrmann land a little bit with yeah, the, with the nightclub sequence. We do. Like there is a lot of like low angles, and uh-huh. you get that sort of musical theatricality that Bay was talking about. And then about Welcome Wesley. to Miami starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> you were bouncing in the bouncing car. The like, heat is on all night. I'm the Queen Mary until the break, break of dawn. He wants to do the Boz Lerman thing, but he can't. Because Lerman's sensibility is of like a six-year-old. It's all yes. like Disney magic. And Michael Bay is literally at Disney and there is no, there, he doesn't have magic. He, yes, he yeah. has cars. Well, but the, the commercial aspect of his filmmaking really comes across too in the train station scene. When they first arrive in New York, there's like, mm-hmm. there's like fog and like steam from the trains, like coming out from, yeah. the, from the train and it's all shot in this blue light and it's Ben Affleck running up and, and picking up. Uh, you know, his boo and spinning her around mm-hmm. uh, old Kate Beckinsdale. And it looks like it should end with uh, every kiss begins with K. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, yeah. It feels like a commercial. Yeah. You're it exactly right. It feels like a commercial. You and keep dropping into different commercials throughout. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. a really good way it's of putting like it. Vogue or like some perfume or right. yeah. Or yeah. Fucking diamonds. Well, yeah. The, the, the ad, the, yes. The, the scene in the club is a, is a liquor ad. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That visual oh, language. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like a liquor ad that's like, hey, can you just like copy this strictly ballroom movie we all just saw? And he's like, I mean, I, can, I guess I can try. But there's also the thing this- is Michael Bay could make an ad for anything. He could make an ad for liquor. He could make an ad for rubber buns. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. I don't, I don't get that one. <laughs> oh, God. There's it's an old. I, so one thing I hate. One thing I really hate more than anything in the world is dirty jokes. Josh is losing his because mind. Because dirty jokes are neither arousing. <laughs> Nor funny. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, the best case scenario around a dirty joke, the thing that is, I guess, supposed to make it funny is that someone who is not supposed to hear it ends up hearing it, right? Right. You like, want like someone to be like, oh, no. Or an old lady. Yeah. yeah. Shocked, yeah. So, like, you know, traveling salesman, farmer's daughter, Johnny Humper Harder, a.k.a. Johnny Deeper, depending on, you know, your yep. regional uh, dialect. Sure, sure, sure. But one of the ones that really gets me is another joke that also has a couple variations and it's I think you should spend more time setting this up it's, well, I can't I, wait the I, payoff's gonna I be so good I just need people to know that I disapprove <laughs> right um, and it I think Gilbert news, Gottfried I get aroused from dirty jokes I so here Gilbert we go Gilbert Gottfried actually wrote a book with the title Rubber Buns and Liquor um, but it's it's the joke is oh my god I, I, I ask you it's, it's like I'm not Rappaport I ask yeah. you a question and you answer so it's what did you eat for breakfast this morning Eggs. You got to do it, AJ. The audience is going to be stuck with more time of me talking about this joke. Great. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I don't know. What did I have for breakfast no, this morning? No, just say the phrase. Josh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Rubber buns and liquor. Huh. That's odd. What did you have for lunch? Rubber buns and liquor. Oh, what did you have for dinner? Rubber buns and liquor. What did you do when you saw a hot lady in a dark alleyway this evening? It's simple. Rubber buns and liquor. Hmm. Why would you eat <laughs> rubber? Why would you? There, the joke fundamentally doesn't work at the beginning. Uh, 
<laughs> and then like you can have a conjugation issue arise at the end, like like what just happened. Right, right, uh, right. Also, it's it. That's a don't do that. That's not consensual. That's not appropriate. Well, uh, that's yeah. not good behavior. Wait, is the you joke, should go to jail. Is the joke actually always what did you sexual assault? Yeah, that's the, the joke. That's the joke. It's sexual not even like, yeah. What did you and the misses get up to this evening? Rubbed her buns in liquor? Like you well, first of all, you, you, you can't got, be rubbed. You, you that's that's rubbed. where you run into trouble, right? You have right, to right, switch right. it to future tense. See, what do you do well, when you see a hot lady? I rub her buns in liquor. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's always assault. It, yes. Yeah. The other one that you can do is ketchup and liquor, which actually does sound like the sort of meal that some sort of horrible, like right. alcoholic uh, psychopath who doesn't have anything going on is, oh, I just ate ketchup and liquor. That's at least yeah, something. Right, right. But like rubber buns, it's Horrendous. a fascination of mine. So whenever the word liquor comes up in my head at this yes, point, yes. I am so diseased. All I can think of at that point are rubber buns. Right. Now, there are no rubber buns in the club. There are no rubber no. buns when they go out on their little skiff and go out to the Queen Mary. Right. The, the reason that I'm spending so much time on this specific scene, even though it's relatively inconsequential in the yeah. broad scope of the film, is that I think I it know. tells think us the most about who Michael Bay is as a director, honestly, mm, sure. outside of the explosions, which we'll yeah. get to later. Yes. Because the purpose of this scene, the purpose of all of these scenes, is to ground us emotionally in the stakes of the relationship between Rafe and and Evelyn. Yes. Ben Affleck and Kate Beckinsale. And, um, and to some smaller, actually much smaller degree, the relationship between Rafe and Danny. Yes. Because yes. they're really leaning on yeah. uh, the the opening scene to be like, they, they're like brothers, But man. what's so yeah. wild is that even though we spend, I want to say at least 15 minutes in this shit. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a long time. We yeah. get nothing out of it. No. <laughs> well, we get that he chickens out and doesn't actually have sex with Kate Beckinsale because he wants it to be special or he wants to like remember her, I guess, while he's on the front line and like have something to look forward to. So they never consummate, even though she's really DTF when they yeah. like go into the hotel. Room. But the problem is if the scene were designed in such a way where there was clear momentum and narrative through line to get you there, that's where you would land. That's what you take away from it. Right. But because it's a, ser a series of commercials, yeah. instead it's like, what am I supposed to be focusing on here? Yeah, right. Uh, the fog machine. And like for the all most part. of the dialogue in this movie is the most like, here's how to write a screenplay ass dialogue yeah. Yeah. I've ever encountered. They're it constantly is the just declaiming. Like yes. it's, it's just right. big speeches forever. But And there's no specificity. I think that's what's so interesting because he made them be from Tennessee, a place where Randall Wallace is from. Yep. Yeah. And yet they feel the most vague <laughs> on the planet. They don't reference their time no, growing up no. in Tennessee. He could have used any of that, but he doesn't. No, because he's not that kind of a writer. Yep. Right. The last thing that I wanted to mention yeah. about these scenes is Michael Bay's approach to quote-unquote humor, which oh, yeah. is really just the whomp, whomp. It's like yeah. a little thing goes wrong and we're supposed to laugh. And you can see this in this movie. You can see it all the time in Transformers. You can see it, too, right. in like when they're getting their shots. They're all acting mm -hmm. as though they're having like a nine-foot needle shoved up their asshole. What right, I think right, is so right. interesting. They're screaming and going, ooh! Yeah. yeah. But this has also just become such a big part of what blockbuster movies are. Yeah. And, and, and I think we owe a lot of that to Michael Bay. Every yeah. time you get some fucking Marvel movie where some guy has a big reaction to something that shouldn't have that mm -hmm. big of a reaction, we have Michael Bay to thank for that. Immuner ben Buns Affleck and boards his train to London. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah. Well, how else are you going to get to London from New York City? I just wanted to point that out. That's like, incredible. I didn't even think about yeah. that shit. What the fuck? The only reason they did it is so they could lampshade the thing of like her running past the train, which yeah. she doesn't end up being able to do. But it's, it's like, why? They want to do. <laughs> they want to do the scene from Reds or whatever. Um, he whatever. really tries hard to get her attention too. He knocks on the yeah. glass three whole times. <laughs> she doesn't get up. Kate Beckinsale just isn't very spatially aware. Uh-huh. She's just like me for real. Um. So yeah, he he's in England. We see all the British guys like drinking beer in a field. That's which what is they what do they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Voight shows up. He's Roosevelt. John Voight as they gave oh, him a chin. God. They, they gave, gave him a Roosevelt chin. chin. They gave him a rosy chin. We also have Admiral Yamamoto yes. on the side of Japan, played by Japanese American actor Mako. Mako's here, doing a pretty disappointing performance. So, <laughs> and you know what? It's one of the first two war criminals he will ever play in his life. It's this and Uncle Iroh. <laughs> I think that this may be an interesting time to talk just a little bit about the portrayal of the Japanese military because yeah. yes. the way that this film is edited. Uh, they sort of like come back in every once in a while and it's just like, now we've done the next step. So we don't need to talk about like each scene with them. No, I think we just clear this right now. What this movie wants to do, right? We're leaning on the romance because of Titanic and stuff. It wants to, on one hand, be from here to eternity, which is just like a localized romance character based thing of people who end up being in the attack on Pearl Harbor. And it wants to be Tora, 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 the big Japanese and American co-production that involved all of the biggest names in like both Hollywood and Japanese film. And it's it's like point by point, right? It's this really like exhaustive, though not entirely accurate, recreation of how it all got there. So this movie's trying to do both things yep. and do it in a big, like sleek, fuck you kind of way. Yeah, and right. it's very, it relies on a lot of like big set pieces, which is yeah. weird. Well, it's like vaguely reminiscent of like Star Wars in terms of just like yeah. the, the the sterility of like these Honestly, giant outdoor spaces. it feels like the, the newer Star Wars is the, the yeah. Force Awakens, like when we have the scenes on the big Colorado Death Star planet. But, right, right, right. but the one thing is that they sort of use set dressing to make it look like they basically apply an Orientalist filter to it. Yeah. And yes. so to me, it actually kind of reminded me of the joke in Airplane where they keep passing the news bulletin between the different <laughs> countries. And then yeah. eventually you get on the channel where it's just a guy who communicates by banging sticks yes. on a drum or whatever. Right. It's somebody's imagination of what it would look like if you have no exposure to the actual thing and can strictly see things through like an Orientalist. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Yamamoto specifically is depicted as sort of, I don't know, mythological even. Like yeah. he, he is this yeah. like really grand, larger than life figure when he's like, He's the naval admiral. He's not even, you know, we're on the U.S. side. We're not spending time with with military leadership as much as we are spending it with the president of the United States. Right. Yeah, they're, right, not, right. they're not going over to Hirohito or something like that. It's it's all the military maneuver here. It, it's right. interesting. Well, it's also it's it's Mako playing this role. And it's it's as you said, Brian, it's, it's a pretty disappointing performance. You know, I first I first encountered Mako uh, through Pacific Overtures, mm. which I think is how, the way a lot of people sort of encountered him and I just I'd like to take a moment to talk about what it means to be Michael Bay interpreting Japanese culture <laughs> sure. versus I think the way that Pacific Overtures treats that subject because I think ultimately Michael Bay is a deeply uncurious filmmaker. Yes. Yeah. I, in the yeah, way I think, that I think like in terms of like what we see of Japan it's like not the sea of Japan but what we see of the Japanese planning and everything like that so much of it is in the physical production. What was yep. built for the set. Yeah. Stuff that Michael Bay can just have like 
Here's what we have in mind. Sure, fine, great, go, do that, do it, great, yeah, yeah. Like there, you 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 look at those scenes like okay, so just traditional movie villain. Like you don't really like the thing is like all of all of the Japanese dialogue in this is so just like perfunctory. Like it's mm-hmm. just like here's what will happen. Like great, that yeah, is what will happen. Yeah, it's like yeah. sort of the end. It doesn't actually need to be there at all. There's no, one no, no. brief moment where uh, a naval pilot is writing a letter back home, and for some reason. It's in English? Yeah, no, none <laughs> of the rest of Japanese scenes I are, missed that. it's all in Japanese. And then there's this one guy speaking in accented English, writing a letter back home. Yeah. And then he's also getting ready in the same way that Kamikaze pilots got ready. Right. Which is a totally different thing than right. what was happening. Like that right. hadn't even started yet, right? right. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a very desperate late war thing to, to create like, horrific morale issues uh, right, right, among right. like America. Cause like, what do you do with an enemy? That's just going to crash an entire plane with right. the pilot still on it. Right. Things like that. And that had its own sort of bizarre way of keeping people under control. Cause it turns out a lot of people don't just want to go and fucking kill themselves uh, on the battlefield. Yeah. Today. Well, that, that's actually really incredible. Cause I had always, I was taught in school that they were kamikaze pilots. On, yeah. At Pearl Harbor. Yeah. It gets, it gets all yeah. muddled up, but it's like, no, they're, they're fucking shooting and launching yeah, no, torpedoes yeah. and dropping bombs. That, they're that not would, suicide bombing. That, at all. that would make sense. And actually this movie doesn't show any kamikaze. Yeah, you know, no, uh, it does. It, it portrays Even it. Though it shows them putting the fucking right. white headband. <laughs> I mean, I right. guess the thing with like taking shots of sake was part yeah. of the tradition, but the headbands, that's a, well, that's... even the sake part, if I understand correctly, mm. was just a kamikaze thing. Mm. Yeah. And look, it was really weird when Mako started singing half, Halfway through, yeah. Michael Bay is in a tree because he you. is yeah. afraid of bees. So that's why you wanted to talk about. We're gonna. I'm cultures. worried about you. <laughs> so now we're in England. Just like here we are, pip pip, cheerio. We Here's get, uh, Leslie Howard. We get some correspondence, and that guy. There's this incredible moment. Yeah, where he just like <laughs> this is a character we know nothing about. Yeah, um, but he just walks up to Ben Affleck and tells him. That if only everybody were as, you know, hot rodding it as this fucking Ben Affleck guy, like if we could get the U.S. into the war, well, by golly, we would show those Nazis yeah. who's boss. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's this other thing, too, that Michael Bay has a, a huge disdain, I think, for the British people on the whole, because I mean, he doesn't even hire a Brit. <laughs> He's just like me for real. Uh, but no, he he doesn't even hire a Brit to do the British news rails. Oh, so yeah. It's just some guy be like, well, it's going to be a terrible day today. The news on reel the field. narration is so, so they don't even get a guy who's going to do that. Wow. We're yeah. going up. It's just like, wow. it's That's like, what I needed. It's, it's, it's just like fucking and Roosevelt has declared that we're going to war yeah Roosevelt and his his giant uh, sack used to store nuts for the winter (laughs) but yeah this this shit with Rafe out on the uh, out in uh, jolly old England uh, leads to a dog fight now this is the first combat scene of the movie where uh, Ben Affleck gets out there in his in his plane and he shoots at some Nazis. And we straight. Yeah. This is where the like the bad CGI shot mm-hmm. that I know the one the one that really got to me. Yeah. Um, this also just is like, oh, now we have to kill this character off, right? Sort of. So we're gonna do it the way that Top Gun did. It's yes. a canopy problem. Well, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and so this is my question, right? <laughs> How does this compare to Top Gun for you guys? Because it's kind of the same. To be yeah. frank, I think the way the the relationships between airplanes. And um, velocity and stuff actually feels a little bit better 
than mm. Top Gun. I actually agree with that. Yeah, and we, we're feels, talking about original Top Gun here, not original. Maverick. Yeah, certainly yeah, no, no, not no, Maverick, which, which is like Maverick. a total, total, yeah. totally different game. Like yeah. I feel like we get closer to the planes. Whereas Top Gun, you have the issue where the cameras are really fucking far away. Right. And you get the sense that the cameras are far away. So it feels like documentary footage sometimes. Right. And the, um, and the yeah. cameras are also and, moving at the same speed as the planes. And what, what makes it work so well in Top Gun when it does work well is that the sound is like yes. crazy. Yes. This does not have the sound going. For no. It. And I noticed that like I was once we get to the attack on Pearl Harbor, the, the quality of the sound design goes up considerably. Yeah. But in this dogfight scene, there's just and, not much and going on. Frankly, yeah. like these dogfight scenes, you still don't get as much of a sense of velocity you don't get yes. that like pulse pounding speed that you get in the silent movie wings for mm. instance wow that movie is fucking crazy <laughs> i'm gonna make you guys watch it at some point not for the podcast just like in general because it's yeah. nuts for our own general and enjoyment it's yeah very gay great well the, i mean though think about this scene i was just like oh look the cliffs of dover like that was actually all i was <laughs> thinking about <laughs> i think actually weirdly the scene with the most velocity in this uh comes during the attack but it's when the man is dying uh in the hospital mm. uh when the mm-hmm. camera's just like 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 shaking like a, like yeah, a man like they actually have like a, a the lens like off of its mount yeah. and shifted. Yeah, it's it's really interesting and wow. There are actually and and look to base credit, the guy can shoot things yeah. pretty well. Yeah. And and there are some very interesting shots in this movie. But my argument is at what cost? Yes. And it's mm. the cost of having to watch Pearl Harbor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, three and, hours of our lives, nine collective hours oh, of that's, our that's lives. That's a tough thing to think back. about. Yeah, no, yeah. it's real hard. <laughs> think about the poor editor of this movie that had to spend so much longer. Oh, I mean, yeah, the, the editing of this movie is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's just like the technical achievement of this is nearly impossible. And yeah, I mean, another thing that uh, made me very sad was when Ben Affleck died. Not really. I didn't care. No, because um, he doesn't like no. they don't even give you the sense that he died. No, on he's screen. very clearly we not are dead. in yeah. the middle of the battle. And then they're like, Ben Affleck has died. It was also like I, I couldn't even tell that it was him. At first, that no, crashed. it's like which plane there's is other it? Guys, yeah. they Whose do the children are they, they also do the Top yeah. Gun thing of like showing different guys in different cockpits. Uh-huh. But, you know, eventually Ben Affleck's plane crashes into the ocean. Oh, no, he's dead. And we find out because then Josh Hartnett shows up over at Kate Beckinsdale's house and is yeah. like, oh, he's yeah, dead. because mm-hmm. this whole time that this has been happening, we have be- actually been cutting to Pearl Harbor proper and getting to know the characters yeah there there. was a little like three months later thing where red the guy whose thing is that he has a stutter he proposes to his girlfriend who is a pretty blonde lady named betty named betty too much happens yeah uh that whole scene could be cut the whole bit of him proposing they need need him to propose because they're trying to make that their big uh lord of the rings uh boy soprano singing tragedy when they haul her body a surprise she gets killed yeah but yes everybody else has now taken the train to honolulu yeah and and it's amazing yeah they just move (laughs) oh you're all friends yeah you all get to go to to oahu together that's how that works on the train and and as they arrive into pearl harbor all the women are being hooted and hollered at by some of the men that are on, uh, I think, the Arizona, uh, yeah. which will be blown up by the end of this movie. Spoiler alert. But they're all wearing the almost exact same costumes as the women in Titanic. Like they have <laughs> the big hat. They have yeah. Kate Winslet's giant fucking hat. <laughs> and it's like, OK. And, th- and there are a couple of spots in this movie because they yeah. desperately wanted a Titanic that like they, they God, needed it. Ooh, they needed ooh, it. They were so hungry for that Titanic. And. They just straight up steal shots from that oh, movie yes. and uh, throughout this. Throughout oh, yeah. Pearl and we'll, we'll talk about the one. 
Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, another thing that happens is that we meet Cuba Gooding Jr. Again, this is a character who is based on a real guy. Yeah, um, yeah It's yeah, also yeah. worth noting that he is the first black person to show up on screen for 45 minutes into this film. Yeah, yeah. Dory Miller... Because I was like, he mentioned not having shot a gun. And I was like, gee, I wonder where his arc is going. And then I was like, right. wait a second, I've heard this story. Yeah. I actually know Dory Miller, who who then manned the anti-aircraft right. gun uh, during right. the attack. But he was, yeah, he was just a cook. Um, And, and you know, the, the segregation in America's army being what it is, like right. that was the role that he was allowed to have in the Navy. Right. And he is an important historical figure. Yeah. And it's just like, here's this guy. Bye. Yeah, he when, when we he, <laughs> yeah. He, we don't know like who he actually is when we meet him for the first time. He's boxing some fucking mech. He he, yeah. he is boxing one of the largest men in the world who is wearing a pair of the tiniest boxing gloves I've ever <laughs> seen in my the the tiniest boxing gloves. Oh oh, you know what I learned from my fight with Cuba Gooding Jr. It weren't us that were teaching radio. There it is. Radio was the one teaching there us. There it is. Um, another funny thing that like the IMDb fact checkers pointed out is that they have uh, the U.S. issued currency in Hawaii that had a special Hawaii printing on it hmm. after we entered the war. That way, if Hawaii yep. got taken over they would just render it completely valueless. And this was huh. also something... And yet you see them with that money that's, that's, here that's before a fun the war prop starts. Touch. I yeah. like that. That was also something that the United States would do once uh, areas were basically liberated from the Axis. Yeah. Uh, they would put currency into circulation. I actually have some of those bills. Oh, interesting. Uh, that are from like, they're like American bills from mm-hmm. liberated parts of Germany. And that's, you know, in addition to, of course, just like regular wartime script right. that you'd have on bases. That's not worth anything outside of that context. Right. But why aren't we following Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character? That's in a this great movie? fucking question. Like, that's a story. Right. right. Yeah, no, no. It's the really story of good. a guy in the segregated and Navy. Has, has there been an actual movie made from beginning to end about that guy's You know, I life? don't believe so. No. I think I think this movie poisoned the chance of that ever happening. That could Maybe. be true. Because it yeah. was so eviscerated by the critics, I don't think anyone would really want to go back. I, I, I hope so, because it's such a good... It's such a good story. Yeah, I think it's arc. just like, yeah, you need to wait another 20 years to get another Pearl Harbor movie. I don't know, but yeah. which it's been. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. The other thing that years. I just wanted 20 to years know is, a Pearl Harbor movie. is that this oh. is also an interesting thing about it being the year 2001. Yeah. Um, mm. Hollywood is woke now. Of course, we know this. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pushing the woke socialist agenda onto our children. Yeah. Yes, well, yes, yes. They um, weren't woke here. This they is weren't woke at this time. They, yeah, this, this, they were based. They wait, were who, whose children are they? Uh, mine. Great. But yeah. the, uh, who are these children coming down? <laughs> The point I'm trying to make here, though, is that at this point, there wasn't even really uh, the studios at this point did not yet really see any value in doing anything beyond the most tokenistic of representation. And this is this is more threadbare than most. Right. Yeah. Which it shouldn't be because, again, we've said this a number of times. He was a real fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. And like. He gets a really badass arc. He gets on a fucking anti-aircraft gun and that it, he's never operated Cuba before. Cuba Gooding Jr. gets to go, ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, one of, one of the, well, I mean, one of the biggest failures of this movie is that our main characters have almost nothing to do with the attack on Pearl Harbor itself. Yes. No, like, no. they have to invent, like, an actual arc for them just to go like on. Just like the Adventures in Odyssey episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's just like, why are people so averse to doing a movie that's just set on one of the battle cruisers that follows a crew of those people, yeah. their lives, their like all of them Crazy being shit. in like purgatory, right? And then they like all get attacked and they have to like rise um, to the occasion and take the L. Like, I mean, come on, yeah, that's come a 
movie. So Danny, Josh Hartnett, he fucks Evelyn, Kate Beckinsdale yep. in a parachute. They fuck in a parachute. They, they fuck in a room full of parachutes. That yeah. is yeah. such a weird scene. It's something that, like, you know, it's it's every kid's dream when they go to gym class and it's parachute days. They want to fuck Kate Beckinsdale. Yeah, this is the point where I wrote there are two hours and 13 minutes left in this yeah, movie. You yeah. really start to feel um, it. We get a stock shot of what is very clearly the U.S. House of Representatives. <laughs> like, you can see the dome of yeah. the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've, you've, they've used After Effects to write Navy Department above the columns, <laughs> but it's it's like an SNL kind of like yeah, uh, yeah hatchet great. job on it. Like it looks terrible because we also get to Navy Sigan and guess what? Dan Aykroyd is in this movie. Yeah. Dan is here, <laughs> Danny boy. Yeah, so we get a lot of just sort of the back and forth the, in a very loose. I mean, this is not really historically accurate, yep. but it's like this the basic idea of like something's happening. We don't know. Blah blah blah. What's going on? Who's yes. they don't want to blame anyone. That and that's and what's I interesting think a more too. interesting movie would would place blame on. Well, somebody. but I think yeah. that part of that has to do with the fact that it was authorized by the Navy. And yeah. if you're working with the Navy, because right. they gave they gave the team access to pretty much all yeah. of Pearl Harbor to shoot. But right. like, but and like the story sixty years of, later, the mm. story of Pearl Harbor is the story of failure. A massive and that's fuck the up. big yeah. problem Absolutely. that the that the movie has to deal with too yeah and that's why it's another hour long is because they have to resolve that somehow one other thing that happens during sort of this soup is um (laughs) there is a japanese american dentist who gets on the phone with uh i guess he doesn't know who he's talking to and he describes the dentists are they? that he yeah. sees out of his yeah. office window. Right. Yeah, that this is such. And a, then we see a guy who like comes over with like spy cams, yeah. which are not yeah. like spy cams. You no, come on. No, the, the like massive lenses hanging out of a suitcase. Oh, yeah, yeah. this is. Just, no, people were making fucking like Ansco made a makeup box with a secret box camera inside of it in like 1920. And you wouldn't fucking know from looking at it. Right. Like, you spy wouldn't cameras know were that. Better than this. <laughs> So here's the thing about the dentist. I want to bring yeah, it back yeah, to the yeah, dentist. Yeah. This, this, is, I think this, this is, is important. Yeah, it is very important. This is the only time we see a Japanese American in the entire fucking movie. Yeah. And, and he's collaborating. But it, 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 it's, a, it's the question of like, is he doing so wittingly or unwittingly? It's very unclear. But either way, it's the, the result is the same, which exactly. is that he gives key intel. When in fact, yeah. I, I, I remember this from the Odyssey episode that when we covered it, yeah. it was a German was a family, Ger- right? There was, there was, right. There was a, a, a Japanese spy, but he was in the embassy. He just did the same thing that all spies do, and they were just in the embassy. The right. spy family, the spy ex family, um, was, <laughs> was a kraut. And it's it's yep. debatable whether he was even valuable or not. But he was the one who got like his six year old child to like take pictures on Waikiki Beach or fucking whatever. And not only was he a kraut, he was a kraut who um, needed to adopt a child into his life and then find a believable uh, woman to portray his wife. Um, because, you know, as a, as an espionage agent, the three of them needed to create sort of an informal spy family of sorts that right. they could then use uh, to advance the, the misses of, of the agency that he worked for. I already said spy ex family. I needed to make the okay, joke again. Okay, Suck okay. my dick. <laughs> <laughs> but here's 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 the piece also about that, right? Yeah. In order to understand the history of the United States, particularly with World War II, it is the history of obviously Japanese internment of Japanese people being treated as yeah. um, uh, sleeper agents, basically. Right. This obviously led to the internment camps. And these are the questions that a good movie about this also needs to ask. And Michael Bay is completely yeah. uninterested in asking those questions. The closest yeah. it ever comes to it is like a very bizarre moment. There is a doctor that you see on the base who is Asian American. And there is one soldier who is injured. And he's like, get away from me. And he calls him. 
a yeah. slur and it's like that slurs all over this movie by the yeah, way because i mean it's, it's like a world everywhere. war ii movie it's yeah, what's yeah. gonna happen i guess but like but yeah it, it's uh, oh, oh also we have colm fjord doing the weirdest work i've ever seen him yeah, do it okay. like, weird and not not weird as shit. a positive thing yeah. his accent changes every scene mm-hmm. at one point he does the whole scene as morgan freeman in outbreak uh, yeah, no, no, no. That, that's a very good point. But to me, when I look at him, I see the studio note of get somebody who looks like Victor Garber. Mm. Get us a captain of the Titanic. And yeah, it's sure, kind yeah, of sure. uncanny. That makes sense. Once, once you view it that light. And it's also, I mean. Canadian Victor Garber. It is also weird when he wakes up on the day of Pearl Harbor and go, and they're like, what's that noise? He goes, youthquake. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a ri- less ridiculous line than the one we get where Josh Hartnett's like, looks like World War II just started. <laughs> Which is wild! <laughs> and also, by the way, not true. Uh, just just yeah. wanted to point that out. Just very important. No, World War II started when Hitler crossed into Poland. What are you doing? There's already a war! <laughs> Lord. Not in the States! Don't mention the war! But yeah, like, Michael Bay, the, the questions that he is interested in asking yeah. are questions like, can the world's most boring love triangle ever be satisfied? Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, Rafe's alive. Yeah. Um, uh, surprise. <laughs> so Josh Hart- Hartnett has been fucking Kate Beckinsdale and uh, Ben Affleck uh, just she shows up and she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Which which is the twist that they hold off until the very end but of the movie. But they show her and she's in the bathroom for an hour. She comes out looking yeah. nauseous. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah, she's yeah. obviously pregnant. Yeah. Like, um, and at this point, we're an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Pearl Harbor still hasn't been bombed yet. I, oh, I do heavens. I do like the moment where uh, Josh Hartnett uh, gets a letter from Ben Affleck and he opens it. And it's just a picture of Ben Affleck in a hospital robe with the caption, I lived, bitch. Underneath <laughs> it. Uh, we get a scene in a bar. It's the bar scene from Top Gun. Yeah. This is also Except a weird sad. scene because yeah. like one of the strange things about Michael Bay is that in a lot of scenes you don't get a good sense of space. And you have no idea how big this bar is. Yeah. No. For all you know, it's just this single outside, literally just the bar and a small deck and nothing else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then this big bar fight thing ends up kind of swirling around it and ending up inside the business establishment. But again, you just feel like everyone is in like a six foot by six foot yeah, box together. Box. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, really what we learn here is that now there's bad blood between uh, Rafe and Fucking what's his name? Yeah, Josh because this is going to be the thing that sustains the rest of the movie. Which, which is, but it's also like he figures it out immediately. Like it's just like based on a look. Yeah. Like he looks at Josh Harton and he immediately knows that they've yeah. been fucking. Yeah. Uh, and He's just like, hey, I'm back. You fucked her. Yeah, but it's also like, I mean, that's the thing is that this movie is so long and it feels so rushed. Like all <laughs> yeah. the moments that they actually needed to take to slow down, they don't have time for because we have to keep cutting back to the Japanese and their planning it's, uh, of the attack. It's sort of the thing that I was talking about in the other episode about like the whatever the opposite of economy of storytelling is yeah. it's yeah. this right where it's the poverty of storytelling poverty of storytelling yeah, you get these long drawn out scenes where nothing fucking happens yeah. and then and there's no sex to it so like right. what is what are we supposed to do like then titanic she takes her top off you get to see kate winslet's tits <laughs> exactly like, which is weird because she was 19 at the time when i was a kid watching that i was like <laughs> hell yeah but now i'm like that's a 19 year old I guess, <laughs> you know I, I talked to my fiance about this yesterday and they were like you know actually You're, chronologically those boobs are still older than you so i think it's yeah, okay true. Um, um, but like you also get the car, the steamed window, the hand, yeah, the smearing. There's some raw sexuality. Although yes. I was 
was surprised that uh, in the in like the parachute scene, there is a there is like one steamy moment where like back and sort Sarah, of like, yeah tilts her head back. But Michael Bay doesn't know how to make her attractive because he yes. doesn't think he doesn't she's think attractive. She's attractive. Yeah. You're right. It's uh, there is an interesting. I will say there's like one moment in that in the in that love scene that is sort of interesting mm. where uh, Kate Beckinsale grabs Josh Hartnett by the dog tags because yeah. he's wearing Rafe's dog tags. That yeah. to me was interesting. Yeah, but. Again, like there's not enough. But why does he have and his dog tags if he's not dead? Not only is there no, you know, sex in the movie, there's no sex in the script. Yeah. You know, our boy Wallace uh, has has done nothing for us. Yeah, no, here. they just yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. they just sort of, they our just. boy William Wallace's. They float into the parachutes. They float down to the ground. They float like it's it's a mess. I don't Imagine know. Tony Scott with this moment. Oh, can you believe With the oh, parachutes. Oh, my God. Oh, God. It'd be so good. It'd be so good. <laughs> oh, it'd be so fucking good. Play. <laughs> I mean, it might not be good, but yeah, it would be yeah, good. Yeah, but it would be, be really like good, you'd yeah. get you'd get skin. Yeah. And I realized like she's she's actually wearing a more period accurate bra than you mm. usually see when you're watching these movies because they seem sure. kind of funny now. Because yeah, they're, right. you know, big and conical and stuff. And I'm realizing it's just because Michael Bay thought mm-hmm. her tits weren't big enough. Right. Yeah, yeah, so right. like, fuck it, let's just do period accurate underwear. Yeah, no, it's ugh, it's fucking wild and gross. So uh, <laughs> we we hit the day, right? We hit December 7th, yeah, 1941. I mean, I'm wondering if maybe this is a decent time to take yeah, a break. Yeah, I think this is where we're going to go. So, like, they got into a bar fight. Everyone's sort of fucked up. They're all hanging out. You know, So it's Sunday morning. It's, it's, it's good morning, Sunday morning. Everyone's got a hangover. (laughs) (laughs) Our boys are like, they're in a Jeep. They're far away, much like the Adventures in Odyssey episode where they are knocked out in a Jeep. Michael Bay was a big Odyssey. I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you can you fucking imagine Michael Bay? Only one man can save the world, and his name is John Avery Whitaker. I swear to God, if Michael Bay had listened to the uh, fucking East Winds Raining episode of Adventures in Odyssey as part of his research for this movie, I don't even know what I would do with myself. He doesn't do research. Thankfully. He sure doesn't. There's uh, the Wikipedia article for Pearl Harbor is mostly inaccuracies. <laughs> yeah. Like it is. It is yeah. half of it is the half of the plot and the production. The other half mm-hmm. is just strict inaccuracy. Misconceptions. But uh, like the attack on Pearl Harbor itself has as much to do with the plot of this movie as the 9/11 twist at the end of the Robert Pattinson movie. Remember mm. me? Yeah. Like it's, it's almost <laughs> it's almost incidental that yeah. this battle happened. Happens. Yeah, and we'll get to that battle uh, after this quick message from Michael Bay. Hey, what's up, pussies? It's me, Michael Bay, director of Transformers, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, Transformers: Dark of the Moon, Transformers: Age of Extinction, and Transformers: The Last Night, the movie where Optimus Prime teams up with Merlin was played by Stanley Tucci? That's real? The Tucci is loose? The Tucci is loose. Babies, do you like spaghetti? Do you like a warm poos? Do you like spaghetti that has the taste and consistency of a warm poos? Then you are going to love SpaghettiOs. The only canned pasta alternative that will make you say, Can pasta sauce expire? Our lawyers assure us the answer is no. Our lawyers are also international assassins. It's got everything a food should have. Nudes, sauce, 
and can. Am I an internationally renowned film festival? Because my favorite ingredient is can. So pour yourself a lukewarm can of SpaghettiOs today and say, ooh, to a bowl full of small rounds that kind of look like nips if you squint. Guys, can we just take a minute here? Aren't boobies the best? Just bouncing all over the place, not a care in the world. It's all I can see now when I dream at night. Two mommy milkers appear to me, this entire human torso, which always looks surprised with its dinner plate nippies and its spaghetti-o-shaped belly button. And it speaks to me by violently bouncing up and down. Michael Bay. It shakes. It is me, a human torso with breasts. Make movies with many explosions, Michael. This will make humans show you their breasts. There are so many fun things you can do with breasts, like Honka Honka, Awooga, and blow things up, Michael Bay. We, a pair of sentient human tatas, demand it. So buy SpaghettiOs today so I can fund my next project, Transformers 6, Megatron's Mega Titties, which will totally gross $950 million. SpaghettiOs, now that's a dicey meatball. So it's December 7th, 1941. Is that your Roosevelt? A day which will live in infamy. Oh boy, we find out, by the way, that it's December... It's better than Voights, are you kidding? You're not oh wrong. God. We, we find out that it's December Rough. 7 because somebody takes There's a, a calendar, calendar and rips off the 6 and it's a 7. This is somebody on a, like a Japanese... Someone it's in Japan, yeah. which... They're on the other side of the international date line. Well, I think they're on the boat. I think that's what that is. is yeah, on the boat? On the yeah but it was still Mako. like they would be going off of Japanese time. Like yes. they're not going to be like, oh, oh yeah. we're in this time zone oh now. God, it's December right. 7th. No, it's still December 8th. Like. It, it also definitely would be using Arabic numerals. Like, come on now. That's <laughs> yeah. not... Well, that's alongside the guy writing the note in right. English. Right. Right. English to his family. So the planes, the Japanese planes make their way to Pearl Harbor. Yep. Uh, they fly over a bucolic scene in, Ameri in America. Yeah, the we see all the Santa Clauses <laughs> being set up. There's just, it's Tim Allen and Tim <laughs> Allen and Tim <laughs> Allen. We see we see a uh, a bunch of kids playing all-American baseball. Yeah, so this yeah. is... This that is... poor woman's laundry gets ruffled. <laughs> There's little girls running around in fairy wings? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So this, is, this was so interesting to me because... And this is something that a number of people talked about when the film was released was like, mm -hmm. why are there no Hawaiians on Hawaii in this movie? <laughs> yeah, no, it's why just is everybody no. fucking white. Yeah. And it's yeah. not just that they're white. They're white. Like, yeah. It, it's, what is this? A Cameron Crowe movie? Yes. These beautiful Aryan boys and these beautiful Aryan girls all just really celebrating how wonderful it is to be white Americans. Yeah. And contrasted, of course, with the the menace that is presented by these horrible, evil, monstrous Japanese airplanes. And, and, and right. it's worth stating, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but like the way that the Japanese uh, uh, fleet and, and all of the Japanese soldiers are portrayed in this movie, right. they're basically just Decepticons. Like they just <laughs> exist for the purpose of being evil. Right? Yeah, right. at this point, like you realize that all of these scenes with Japan were not to be like a procedural development of how this attack takes place yeah it was just to be like see 
we show the Japanese side too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much like we were soldiers did with Vietnam. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say this is I think the most telling thing. If you were to like cut together just the Japanese sections mm-hmm. of Pearl Harbor. One transition from one scene will be Mako saying, we must achieve surprise. And then the next scene immediately following would be, we have achieved surprise. <laughs> like, it's so useless. Those are, but that's like, you're not exaggerating. Those are the yeah. literal lines. Yeah, I know. It's... What do you say when you eat breakfast? We have achieved surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. So... <laughs> So this is this is sort of like this is like the centerpiece of the movie. Yep. And I think credit where credit's due, explosions look good. Of course they do. Yeah. It's Michael Bay. Yeah. Yeah. How could they not? It's a thing We've he got does extraordinarily well. We've got ships that tilt and turn. Yeah. Uh, much like another movie. Hmm. Also, maybe a Broadway musical half ah. the time when the machinery was working correctly. <laughs> Standing your pajamas in Pearl Harbor's Bay. So I just wanted to <laughs> point out as well in the extreme. that the first impact occurs at, and I put, took down the exact time first stamp, impact. one mm. hour, <laughs> 28 minutes and 27 seconds into the film. Yep. Yeah. yeah, into it's this like three-hour movie, we are, we are at, halfway in. It's like in uh, Funny Games when the guys are like, "Oh, we we can't kill you now. We haven't hit feature length yet," and that happens like right when you get the ninety-minute point. <laughs> God, I gotta watch Funny Games at some point. Yeah, you're gonna have a great time. <laughs> so, uh, so wildly, we we spend a, a, a very inordinate amount of time not at the attack, but getting to the attack with our two protagonists. Yes, yes. while Cuba Gooding Jr. is on the ship, to, like he has this moment with like a dying officer who's just been like blown to pieces yeah, I, think it's the captain like, of the I think this is another yeah. real person but this is not how he died either yeah yeah but he was just like he was just like you have to pass it off to my to my commanding officer like he has the uh he you know he has control of the ship now and he's just like don't worry captain you trained us well and it's this very like just like <laughs> wait sappy, like, bro you're just handling the laundry i was yeah, gonna say you're like, not you're you're a cook what yeah and, no it, it's so it's so at, hokey at first and, there's some like an idea of attention to detail where it's like you see them installing the different fins on the torpedoes and like I didn't know that the airplanes dropped torpedoes I didn't know that they dropped them into the water and hit the ships um, you see the bombs that land and don't immediately explode because of of course the Arizona that's what happened a bomb got into the ship and then the fuse finished and And all that ordnance that was down there in the forward compartment blew up and yeah the Arizona became as we all know, a, a grave for yeah, what, like just, a thousand that just, plus. That just actually yeah. happened at the, uh, yeah, at, the, yeah. at the end of that attack. Right. It's one of those things where like it starts with the Arizona getting bombed and then we see the Oklahoma capsize and that kind of takes up the later half of that. Yeah. Flip it around. Here, here's it's the other way. Here's oh, what I'll say, though. All of the reviews that talk about this movie in mm. even close to a positive light. Right. Talk about this sequence. Yeah. yeah. And they're all talking about like how impressive it is, uh, how how remarkable all components of it are. Yeah. yeah. My question for you guys is: Is it good? Actually, I mean, it's 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 incredibly hard to pull off, and it's coherent all the way through, which is something yeah. Michael Bay can't even keep up with later on yeah. in his career. It's like long. Yeah. I mean, it it's definitely trying to do what James Cameron did with both Titanic and then later with like Avatar. Where right. Avatar has like a fucking ninety minute action set piece for its ending. Right. Of course, this is the middle of the movie. 
But <laughs> right, but I think I think James. Well, okay, so what separates Titanic from this movie? I mean, there's so many fucking reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the big one for me is that Cameron did the research. Like yeah. he he studied every single minute that the Titanic was sinking, and he mapped it out in real time. He, he got as close to as hands on as like I, any I was going to say could he, get. He literally yeah. got into a submersible and <laughs> yeah. went down there. Like yeah, I mean, honestly, it seems like kind of an excuse. Like the Titanic was just oh, kind of like an excuse sure. like, to go under. That's water. the thing that he actually likes to and, do. And then he yeah. can also bank on bank, make more bank on the footage later on. But yeah. even yeah, yeah, so, yeah. while Disney producing this, yeah, they make bank by using a uh, theme park synergy, and they had an attraction no. at MGM Studios, no, later Hollywood Studios, they did not. until like recently. I don't think they took it out until maybe even after COVID hit. I'm not sure, but it was like how Hollywood special effects are done using the example of this scene from <sighs> Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh my God. And so it's like, remember Pearl Harbor? Not the real thing, the movie? We're going to make you. Um, <laughs> oh. but, but there is like sort of a thing. Like I, I think the advantage of Titanic is that you're stuck in a box. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a claustrophobia to it. And Cameron is a master at giving you the layout of the ship. Uh -huh. so that when it starts to sink, you, you know, know where, where you, you are. are. Yeah. And you're actually invested in somebody in every single class of the thing. That's huge. Yes. Characters. Yes. There yeah. are so many moments in this scene where you will see a guy, uh, you know, swimming. Uh, uh yeah. holding on to the hull of a ship saying I can't um, swim as it's sinking into the water but it's yeah. also like well whose children are they like I yeah. don't yeah. know any who of is, these guys I feel nothing yeah. watching who, who are these sailors coming down yeah I, I don't and, know and we, yeah, we could we could have something like Titanic where like it could talk about race a lot more it could use yeah. any kind yes. of angle on this but instead we've got the fucking like Guinevere Lancelot thing going on well right. yeah and it's also but like Cameron deals a lot in archetypes right yeah. like he uh, I'm not saying that Jack and Rose are uh, yeah, particularly exactly rich deep um, <laughs> characterization, but he knows how to utilize those archetypes mm -hmm. effectively yes, yes. so that you do care when Jack sinks into the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Well, that has to do with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet's chemistry and the, you know, their, yeah, sure. the, their abilities Which as is actors. An important, but that, like, that's important. That's another thing that Bay fucks up. He doesn't yeah, right, get there. He doesn't right. get people with chemistry. But again, yeah. I mean, I, not to sound like a fucking broken record here. But it's just it comes down to the fact that he's not interested in asking the questions in the first place. No. So, of course, you're not going to get to the answer yeah. if you don't want to seek it out to begin with. Right. Yeah, he want to make things go boom and he right. make things go boom. He does. And Wallace's script is just like the, the culmination of the relationship the, that all of that is going to happen with a separate thing that's going to happen right. for the last third of the movie. Right. That's not the attack on Pearl Harbor. And this also right. then to the point of like the script and the characters, the script doesn't actually know where to put. Josh Hartnett and mm -hmm. Ben Affleck at this point. Right. So what ends up happening over the course of this entire set piece, which again is like a half hour at least, yeah. is they just keep running around between different places. So like yeah. for a little bit, they are in a car and yeah. they need to drive in the car back to Pearl Harbor, much like the fucking Adventures in Odyssey episode. Mm -hmm. With a guy with a handheld movie camera. And Brian, I have to ask, this reporter with this camera filming this footage. Yeah. I mean, that is that... Is there any basis of that in actuality? Yes, I, I don't think that there. I don't know if there was a reporter who died. Um, but no, like, no, I just meant the camera. Like, yeah, the could camera that have existed. Well, the camera's right. It just looks like they're filming eight millimeter film on what is a sixteen millimeter camera. I could okay. be wrong. I don't know that much about movie cameras, but okay. like, it, it, it it's a little funny. 
the the film stock that comes yeah. out of it too is also like really inky black like like the blacks are like really deep which it would be kind of weird like that's not what you see when you see black and white footage from that time right right right, right, right. especially um, because we see other black and white footage yeah, from the time in the movie already yeah, it kind of looks more like the um the footage that's shot on the on the camera in uh in Doctor Strange Love yeah, um, oh, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about. Like, the combat yeah, it, scenes it, in it, it does look more like it's from like the '60s. Yeah. yeah, and it is real film. They did shoot on real eight millimeter and sixteen millimeter mm. and thirty five millimeter uh, film. They filmed, you know, because again, you're fitting stuff into little airplanes. You have to do kind of funny stuff, like we talked about with Top Gun. Yeah, yeah so yeah. there are some cameras that were going vertically, some cameras that were going horizontally, just crazy stuff. Right. Um, but what we have here for our through line for the protagonists of this movie, uh, Rafe and Danny. Their whole thing is they have to get to the harbor yes. and then become heroes by getting on planes and taking off. That doesn't take a whole lot of time. Right. So we just keep cutting oh, away from just, them for a really long stretch They just stretch, stretch it out. And the yeah. problem is every time you cut away, you are cutting away to something that is generally visually pretty striking. Yeah. Right. But the boats getting hit. The boats yes. are blowing up. The actual attack. But you don't have any stake in it because you don't know any of the people. And, and rather than taking sort of the the really high view and being like, look at these boats exploding, yeah, which, right. you know, would be something. We're spending so much time again on these individual people who we don't know, yeah. who are yeah. dying mostly bloodless deaths, by the way, yeah. because this is a PG-13 movie. The, yeah, the most like you get in any emotional investment in any of this, I think, is the hospital. And yeah. I think yeah. even that gets kind of fucked up. Yeah. I or, mean, there's some cool camera shit happening in the yeah. hospital, and I think it is the most harrowing portion of this i'm always i'm always like the hospital scenes in any movie like yeah. a big historical like tragedy like this mm -hmm. are the ones that always fucking like, get me it's always even like even like something like the tv show mash it's like mm -hmm. oh all of a sudden you're just flooded with wounded like this is a real yeah. look at the logistics of what's going on the attack is still ongoing right and they're having to deal with wounded which as is they come in which is yeah. why they said it in a hospital a yeah. hospital is always an effective sort of dramatic point of focus yeah because right. it's where so many stories come together and you always have something that you can do yes yeah. and it is the most it is it's the most like way of putting it like harrowing and like panic and like you you get the panic of the surprise attack yeah, of Pearl right. Harbor the most in the hospital because they don't have shit right yeah. like they don't they don't have the provisions ready right, for all these we're not at war they have right. to get uh, uh Danny and Rafe have to start doing blood transfusions into coca-cola Coke bottles. bottles yeah, 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 yeah. Real thing. which also yeah. interesting yes yes and bay doesn't believe it, that it's interesting because then he has the hospital get bombed right yes. which, did which didn't happen, happen. this yeah. was a military attack there there was collateral damage there was some right. damage done to the hospital there was some strafing done on uh civilian targets there were no bombs dropped on hospitals because or that wasn't targets. the point. The point right. was no. to, to to fuck up the infrastructure and, yeah. and specifically to fuck up the boats and the planes. Right, right. I mean, bombing civilians. What are they? Us? Yep. I mean, Japan did. They did a do that. No, no, they, they just did it to the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which we will so get to yeah. later. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So this attack goes on for a really long time. The the men are being macho and trying to like shoot just like pistols at the planes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, and that's that, that's that, a real thing. No, that, that really like, did happen. You have fucking nothing, but, it, it, but, but you do have the gun. Might as well. But here's yeah. the thing: is yeah. that a better version of this movie would portray it as something that is going to be like it's probably fruitless, but yeah. let's try. This is a yeah. disaster. This is pure carnage. That's, that's what this should be. That's not yeah. what's happening yeah. here. Instead, 
once Josh uh, Hartnett and Ben Affleck sort of get to the the hangar, I guess, yeah. they go Rambo, dude. Like, yeah, it's like, full Rambo. It's full action movie at this the, point. It's the first Rambo, too, because they get a second one when they're in China. Yeah, um, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, this, is, this is Rambo. This is Rambo 1. Um, Michael without, Shannon shows up? Yeah, Michael Shannon. Well, Michael Shannon has been in this movie for the whole time, and he's, yeah. I think, probably one of the best performances in this thing he yeah. is michael shannon plays a character named lieutenant goose Hell yeah. wood it's goose it's goose i thought they were saying goose the whole time g-o-o-z like multiple goose conforming into one body goose wood talk uh, to me goose talk to me goose <laughs> if there's any comedy in this movie he's the one that sells it i think the best yeah and it all happens despite the material because of he course, actually yeah. seems like he hates the movie well oh, okay, he definitely yeah, no, he hates definitely the movie but michael, <laughs> Sh- michael shannon is also one of the and this is i think a fact that is widely known among acting circles but maybe not so much outside of it he's one of the best improvisers there's ever mm, been really like, yeah no he is he is a hugely talented improviser Hmm. uh, because there's nothing about him that is fake like he is so 100% himself that anything he responds to is going to be the most naturalistic thing like it's he's he's just tremendous which is also the terrifying thing about him like the time that I went to the Soho rep Uncle Vanya oh yeah and then went outside afterward and like a block down the street I saw him like screaming at his castmates (laughs) oh fuck me I think he wasn't happy with how that performance went he has a lot of the anger that I know in myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Sure. Yeah. He, he's got that white boy anger. Yeah. 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 Um, and then he, up with I, Loki. I also think it's very this is, perfect for bug too. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is very, this is a very stupid thing, but there, uh, there is another person that is like Michael Shannon's like friend at the hangar. And if you forget yes. his name, don't worry about it. It's Earl. And you'll know because it's on his hat. He has written <laughs> the name Earl on his, he has a name tag just in case you've forgotten at this point who the fuck this character is. His name is Earl. We we sort of we have yeah. so many oh. situations in this movie though because like there's so many characters who you're expected to care about and remember right and they're all off to the side yes yeah except for again Danny Rafe and Kate Beckinsdale none of whom I care about <laughs> not even enough to learn her real name yeah what is it? Evelyn it's Beckinsale Eve- Evelyn that's her name yeah like, no it's Beckinsale she's in the hospital and the hospital like has its thing going on that's something but like there were five planes that took off that was a, a thing that happened again we got a couple planes shot down we got to focus on that but there is no victory in this day there is no, no victory it's a, it's a in this L. moment and this in, is just death and misery. And there was actually a guy, there was an airman who was able to shoot down, I want to say like six yeah. Japanese planes, which, I mean, very maybe, impressive. Maybe it prevented the third wave. There, there was this call that they were going to have a, a, another wave that was going to attack more of the land targets, and they didn't go through with it. Or it could just be that they got what they needed out yeah. of it. Yeah, it's been an hour and 15 minutes. Maybe we need to wrap yeah, it up. Wrap it up. Uh, someone should tell it to Michael Bay. Yeah, uh, no kidding. I, I mean, I was worried the entire attack. They were going to do a full one hour and 15 minutes of this. Right. Yeah, 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 it yeah. felt like it. Uh, but, it but I mean, honestly, if you were to do it in real time and you could do the pacing the way that Cameron did in Titanic, mm-hmm. that might actually I think that probably should have just been and the again, movie. That's yes. attention to detail. That's what it comes from. Cameron was meticulously recreating shit to the point where like. When he re-released it, he changed where the stars were because Neil deGrasse Tyson oh, wow. made some fucking tweet about it. What yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That guy and is I, so annoying. He sucks. <laughs> no, he's, he's awful. I just, I really do remember, like, uh, there was, like, some sort of special feature on Titanic where, like, Cameron yeah. was going through the ship and changing the clocks on the wall to be exactly where they were sure. when the water would breach, like, the, mm, the holes uh-huh. and shit. And, I mean, that's not something you would ever notice, but, like, 
he it was very but, important yeah, to him. The fact that it's there, it's it's like I always call this kind of stuff. It's it's the golf swing, right? You have to keep swinging the club after mm. you hit the ball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. the ball doesn't see where that club is going afterwards. But if you stop swinging, you are going to slow down. Yeah. Before you hit the ball. It matters that you keep that upswing. And yeah. that is that maybe that's the thing, too, that I notice with like a lot of these shots of because. You know, the ships, they begin to, you know, capsize and turn over in a lot of cases. Yeah. I found it very confusing as to like which boat we're looking at now and, and, and things like yeah, that. Whereas, yeah, again, yeah. in a James Cameron version of this, not to be like James Cameron is the greatest filmmaker of all time because he's not, but he minds the details. And yeah. no, I mean, this he's isn't pretty Chapo, good. I mean, the, the thing is, like, he's, this he's is a not very Chapo Trap House. We do yeah. not have the same opinion on James Cameron. <laughs> I, I think Titanic rules. Well, frankly. But, but, but this is the thing, right, is that. You have those indicators, you have those signals, the things like the clock, the things like we've already been through this area, we've been through these hallways, we've been at this grand staircase, so we know where we are in space. Right. Nothing like that exists in this movie to give us a frame of reference. And so instead, it's just always like, we are just looking at another thing. Yeah, which makes another explosion. Which makes it even more crazy when the movie starts to just replicate shots from Titanic. Yeah, (laughs) and expects you to feel the same thing because you remember the Titanic movie. With, with boats that sink in a very different way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, because like the real danger there, the real danger with, with capsizing in general, we saw that with that horrible ferry tragedy in Korea a few right. years ago. The right. Sewol, uh, Sewol, uh, Sewol, Sewol ferry, I believe. You have the people inside the boat and all of yeah. a sudden you can't get out anymore right. because you have tons, literal tons of water on your doors and right. hatches. You cannot get out of there. Yeah, you can't Which open the doors. Which is also what happened to the USS exactly. Arizona. Exactly. Right, right, right. They also introduce a dog. Yeah, there's a... Again, if you have the dog earlier... Then we care about the dog. We see Wait, him briefly. I totally missed the dog. Yeah, no, there's a there's they a rescue shot. a dog like towards the end of this. Yeah, no, yeah, they yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah they no, do. Yeah, there's a, the dog survives. The, this, the dog lives uh, in, <laughs> the, in Pearl Harbor. The, the dog, dog survives. appears and then uh, yeah. that's it. And then hey, survives. It's that dog. <laughs> yeah, it's that dog I know. If you if you said the sh- thing just on the boat and you get to know everybody that's on the boat yes. and then you sink that boat. You're going to have a much more of a personal connection to yeah. the yeah. to the tragedy than if you spend all your time on the mainland, right. and then oops, the ships are sinking, and it's like okay, I guess, but like I don't care, like I don't know. I mean, I, historically, it's a very tragic event, but in the form of this movie, who cares? Or, yeah. or you could do the thing of have the big set piece with the ship sinking. And then show all of these people coming into the hospital. So you have yeah, a couple yeah. different people who you know it's like from you the ships. You already have it. You already have the thing. They've already got it's it. And they don't trust it. It's there. They don't yeah. trust it. And Michael Bay is just like, well, I don't want. But by the way, I will say, even though she's going through hell and back, Kate Beckinsale's hair in the hospital continues to look fantastic. <laughs> Kate <laughs> stays winning. It is. It is funny because in the grime and muck of it, when her nurse uniform is like completely drenched in dried blood. Yeah. yeah. Finally, Michael Bay is like, oh, I see why you're hot. <laughs> and does this weird glamour shot where she turns around to welcome Ben Affleck yeah. into the hospital Just weird and it's shit, like this oh. slow-mo like sexy moment and I'm like come on and man speaking of <laughs> no. weird weird glamour shots that one blonde girl she's dead now yeah that's right she oh, fucking yeah. dies they're hauling bodies outside the Betty's hospital gone. And there we see her corpse and we get all these like lingering (laughs) (laughs) close ups of her. And it's just like, that's the thing. Also red and his stutter. Right. So now now he's lost his, his fiance and he, um, but when the attack is going on, of course, everyone is still taken by surprise. It's still just Sunday morning and he runs in and he can't get the words out to yell that the, that they're being attacked. So they're even more surprised. Yeah. What a great arc for him. Yeah. 
I'm really glad. I'm I'm really glad he was. That's the thing that they did there. I'm really glad he was in the movie, and not based on a real guy. They made him Cassandra. So the the battle, (laughs) the battle, the battle is over, and uh, we've actually recapped the battle in less time than the actual battle sequence takes place. Yeah, but I mean, usually we take longer than the thing that we watch. Well, because there's shit that that we can talk about. Yeah, we've got bits. There's nothing to talk about here. We keep doing bits if that's what you want. Do you want that? Do you want that? Do you just want us to keep doing bits? Is that what you fucking want? Is that don't, what I am to you? Josh, don't yell at them. They know not what they do. Yeah, Josh, Josh has been going through it lately. You know, the yeah. thing is, this time of year rolls around. It's always really hard for him. We made him watch Minions know. and How I Met Your Mother back to back. But also, and this but also shit. Josh has Harbor. a, you know, like Pearl Harbor Day is just really hard for Josh, as it is for all of right. us. It is, as it is for all Americans. Because, yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing. Not just Americans. Everyone. The, the world, really. Um, Everybody. Because here's the thing. We took a major L on Pearl Harbor. Like, uh, the U.S., a major, major loss. But yeah. at least we got them back with the totally real and effective <laughs> plan called the Doolittle Plan. I mean, plan. it is real, yeah, but it's not really. It's not really as depicted. The thing is... It's kind of depicted the way that history teaches it. Right. In that it was a propaganda fight. Yes. Like, yeah. it it was not necessarily a strate- strategic win right. of any kind. It was a little bit insane. As I, opposed... Doolittle presumed that he was going to be court-martialed, and yet... As opposed <laughs> yeah. to, obviously, the attack on Pearl Harbor, which was obviously... A propaganda victory for the Axis, but also yeah. was a massive strategic success. It right, right. decimated the Pacific because fleet. Japan yeah. was trying to do more aggression to the Philippines, and we were colonizing the Philippines right. And, right, right. and Guam and stuff. Which was part of what happened was like, yeah, we and were so, so convinced that the attack would happen on Manila mm-hmm, or yeah. on Guam, yeah. and instead it happened. And at so Pearl they, it was, it was kind of kind of preemptive in a sense like that's what they were going for like they destroyed the military targets the third wave was even going to go after fuel reserves because they wanted us to be set back in our fight against japan Mm. which yeah that's what happened except then we were actually fighting right yeah (laughs) then we then we had we we entered the war and and the doolittle raid is very soon after because we were using as the movie shows the meager resources at our disposal to be able to carry it out. And they're like, this was the turning point in the war. This was like no. fucking February. No. It was yeah. like three months, two or three months and, later. And yeah. I, I, but it, again, it points to, and I keep coming back to this, like Michael Bay's conception of history. Yeah. He does yeah. not have I would a also material conception of history. Sure. Because Braveheart is almost the exact same fucking way, right? Yeah. Braveheart is fully mythological i mean yeah. no one wore kilts at that point in time yeah, in no, Scotland. william not. wallace wore a suit of armor and had a big mustache like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah sure sure as fuck wasn't australian he Mel wasn't Gibson. spreading woad on his face like he was merlin and bonduka <laughs> uh nor leaving specific voicemails on his daughter's answering machine um but uh, wife alec baldwin is the daughter oh, and fuck. speaking of speaking of alec baldwin <laughs> there we go he's we, back we, he's back well, okay. you miss him he's back okay so here's the thing about alec baldwin in this movie it kind of seems like he's doing like jack donaghy acting a little I bit i disagree like, i think no. he's just doing his thing from um uh, glengarry again it's more that the, I, mean, I mean yeah, yeah this but, was this was kind of low point alec baldwin too like per, right. in his personal life like he was in i, I mean one of the many. He's <laughs> yeah. in bad shape. It's funny, though, because like Doolittle is the ultimate maverick here. It's f- weird right. that they had him yeah. as the stuffy old Dean in the first scene where he's right. like, you're too much of a maverick when he's like, 
we're going to do a suicide mission now. Sorry, before the suicide mission, uh, everything gets basically resolved with the love triangle immediately after. Yeah, they after. just kind of write it all, and it's like, yep, they're, 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 they're good yeah. now. Oh, yeah, so they, they talk to the two guys, the, the fly boys. They got up there, you know, our Rafe and our Danny, and they're like, you're the only guys with fighting experience. Yeah. We need you to do this because we don't have enough fighters. But, like, these guys are, like, they're fighter pilots. They do single-engine right. planes, and they're asking these guys to fly bombers, right. multi-engine bombers. Right. It's an entirely different kind of flying. Absolutely. Altogether. It's an entirely, entirely different, different kind, kind of flying. flying. Something that I wanted to mention, though, before yes. we actually yes. get to talking about the Doolittle Raid okay. is just to clear what this movie tries to then do with Pearl Harbor. Yeah. It's right. not yes, 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 happy yes, yes. to have that be the end. No. Right. And as you were saying, Brian, the story of Pearl Harbor is that of American failure. It is that of, you know, American naivete being shattered by a single event that would change everything forever. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. And I think we'll get, you know, in this movie, released in this May of 2001, released in May, like a Star Wars movie, (laughs) like a fucking like that's because it's Michael Bay. Yeah, it's a is, Michael Bay movie. Yeah. It's not released like Titanic. This is from National Geographic from December 4, 2016. It's right. an interview with an author named Steve Twomey, okay. uh, a historian. He wrote a book called Countdown to Pearl Harbor, the 12 days to the attack. Okay. So people are interested in learning about what actually fucking happened. The, so the interviewer asks the question, a preventable catastrophe caused by incompetent leadership, racist stereotypes, and an arrogant belief in the invincibility of the United States. Is that a fair assessment of Pearl Harbor? And uh, Twomey says, that's extremely fair. I use the phrase assumption fathered defeat. And it did on many levels, both mm. big and small. Mm. All through 1941, there were newspaper articles touting the superiority of the United States Navy. There was also an assumption in Washington that the Pacific fleet had been alerted and was ready, which wasn't the case. Right. It goes all the way up to the racial assumptions about the potential ability of the adversary. Uh, From big yeah, things yeah. to small things, America was complacent about where things stood on December 7. If you read the American magazines and newspapers in 1941, it's amazing how the Japanese were considered a funny, curious people who were technologically inept. Mm-hmm. They were supposedly physiologically incapable of being good aviators because they lacked they lack the sense of balance and their Fucking eyes were not right. Jesus it was even Christ. believed that the Japanese were bad pilots because as babies, they would be carried on the backs of their big sisters and got bounced around so their inner ear was knocked askew. So just like what the fuck? But again, what what did we <laughs> what what were the things that we were told in the run up to 9/11? Yeah. Right. Things that were propagated I think in some ways by the corollary to what this movie was telling us. That yeah. like it wasn't necessarily a failure of America, right? There right. were good guys. Yeah. There were the Dan Aykroyds of the world mm-hmm. who knew exactly what was going on. There was FDR too actually. Yeah, the way that Roosevelt, the, the way Roosevelt was like you got to watch out for the Japanese and yeah. it was just this like is why like going into the Doolittle raid this is the world that bay creates for us it's a yeah. world where we were almost there we were so fucking close and if just one more com- one yeah. more com had gone through we would have gotten it we were so close well, and that's yeah. just not fucking true and i feel like yeah. that's that's like the myth making of it is like well, if the U.S. had just had enough conscience right. to yes. enter the war already, right. to yes. just start fighting the Krauts, and then, of course, they'd have to go west, too, because right. that's also going on at the same time. Like, if we just had the conscience and understanding that we needed to be the guys. Yeah. 
Right. Then we could have done it. We could have made it into this war. Which if is we, a very hindsight view to take. I mean, yes. for a lot oh, of it's reasons. Monday morning quarterbacking. But, yeah. but, but, it, it, but it's also just like because a lot of the elites of America agreed with Hitler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, you ever hear about like, a guy named Henry Ford? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Like, uh, like in this movie, it actually almost makes it explicit that FDR wanted the Doolittle raid to happen. He wanted it to happen so bad. He cured his polio. That's right. And fully stood. <laughs> which, you know, for out me, of his wheelchair. Me, I found super inspiring. Again, oh, good. Yeah. you know, don't you tell me what's impossible. I, I love when my you know illness when my disability is yeah. like used as a crucible for uh character growth and human yeah. understanding yeah. isn't that fun i'm well here's the thing i'm a lot more attuned to the world and frankly mm. important than either yeah. of you that's true because i've just been through more suffering josh that's, that's how it works seeing a disabled <laughs> dutch man stand up and say this is what we're gonna that's do right brian yeah. <laughs> the dad is a perfect encapsulation of how Americans actually thought. We're not going to have a fucking war. Mm -hmm. Right. We're, we we oh, the got into from the, the very first, beginning. Yeah. Yeah. We got into the first world the war. The linchpin of this whole movie turns <laughs> right. out well, the dad in the like, first scene. It's like almost sharp writing, except they never go back to right, it, right? Right. It's just like we went into World War One. We won. We don't have like the, the, the narrative of defeat. Right, right. But it was like. World War One, you a, mean? Yeah. Yeah. And a bunch of people fucking died. Let's, let's not. We don't right, want to yeah. be involved in world affairs anymore. Right. But of course, we still had our whole like a uh, westward expansion must continue to the islands now. Yeah, yeah. the Monroe yeah. Doctrine. We can't leave South America alone. And and like a lot of that came from the USS Maine exploding. Right. right. Under suspicious circumstances that probably were not because of any enemy combatants from Spain. So what we needed to get into World War Two was another USS Maine. Yes. Right. And. The Japanese delivered it. Yeah. They delivered a real USS Maine. Yes. As opposed to, uh, I don't know, perhaps something from the We Were Soldiers. Uh, <laughs> the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, just uh, Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 We, we This didn't even have to be manufactured. Right. Right. And to what degree was so, some stuff deliberately ignored? There might be something to say about that. Sure. There's yeah. not a whole lot of sure. Pearl Harbor. I was I was actually looking it up last night because I was like, I wonder if there are a lot of Pearl Harbor conspiracy theories. Oh, Pearl Harbor theories. truthers. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. I didn't find much, but I wonder if there were maybe some. Well, that's because this movie came out and proved them all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, well, right. I wonder if there were maybe some contemporaries at the time who thought it was bullshit. But of course, mostly like Americans went from overwhelmingly being completely against any military involvement in this right. to being entirely oh, it flipped in favor. Overnight. Right. Yeah. yeah. This was our. We got attacked on our uh, territorial soil. Right. Yep. They they got they they called up uh, Mel Blanc and were like, listen, we got a lot of stuff you got to record. We got to sell those fucking bonds, man. So I want to get more to like the yeah. big picture parallels and the 9-11 stuff a little later. Okay. I think yeah. now is a great time to get back into the do little shit. Yes. Um, and really animals uh, talking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was really cool when they loaded up the plane with a bunch of animals who all had silly voices. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackman, Rex Harrison, and Eddie Murphy. All at once. All the Doolittle. No, 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 no. That's not. No, no, no. It's Robert Downey Jr. What? Robert oh. Downey Jr. was Doolittle. Why did I think it was Hugh Jackman? Oh, I also no, it's Hugh not Jackman. Hugh Jackman. No, it's Robert Hugh Downey Jackman Jr. Hugh Jackman did the Peter Pan thing. That's yes, what I'm he thinking. He did Hook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, not, not Hook. Hook. Pan. No, no, he did Pan, but he played Hook. There we go. Yeah. I, I'm you go left. We go left. Right, right. You go yeah. right. Left. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't know who's on third. I'm <laughs> panning this conversation. Oh. I give it. 
Zero stars. Yeah. So <laughs> so now again, because everyone's friends, they all get to go to the Doolittle raid together. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And um as presented by this movie. Yeah. The Doolittle Raid was th- it was the it was the end of Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Right? Like yeah. <laughs> no, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Yep. It's like you don't have much enough fuel. It's, it's, the, like, it's, it's the, the end of Top Gun Maverick. It's the trench run from Star Wars. It does, uh-huh. a, it does a bullshit job setting it up. By this point, I have to be honest. At this, from the Doolittle Raid on, it, it, this movie is white noise. For oh, me. Yeah, I yeah. was totally checked out. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was really hard to like get a grip on what was even happening scene to scene. And you know, they make the Doolittle Raid sort of parallel to Pearl Harbor, right? They yes. show these guys flying over Japan in the same way that they show the Japanese fighters flying over America. Right. And they didn't move in formation. It was all kind of like one plane went over here, one plane. It was it was fully covert operations. Right. right? right, right. Because With the again, intent that they were going to crash in China. The idea being, as set up, they would all fly the planes yeah. over Tokyo. They would knock out a couple uh, logistical things with yeah. bombs. And right. then, yes, the planes would land in China because at that yeah. point, you know, China was still aligned with the United States. Right. A lot of it was occupied by Japan, which is where we ran into trouble. Right, right. But if you could get, like, west enough, you could hopefully land in a part of China that was still in active resistance. And and something that I feel like they should have included in this movie, it, it doesn't go against their sensibility, is that they actually had jackets, special jackets made for this raid with Chinese writing on oh, them okay. oh, saying we are American soldiers looking for yeah, shelter they, or something like that. They teach them that phrase in Mandarin that's yeah, like... Yeah, it says I'm uh, an American soldier or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alec Baldwin gives like three consecutive brilliant speeches. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really got to inspire like Henry he, 4 Part 1, Henry he, 4 Part 2, and Henry 5. He gives one this speech is Henry ad. To, uh, to, to the pilots. He yeah. gives another speech to just a guy who's on the bridge with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he gives another speech to the pilots. Yeah. <laughs> I, there, there's so much in this movie that I am not like an editor of film of yeah. like of like narrative film. Yeah. But I'm sitting there going, I mean, you could you could hack half the shit off this oh, movie. Oh yeah. And you'd lose nothing. But I think part of the marketing again to make it like Titanic it's is an it epic. had to be three hours yep. long. Yeah. Right. So they just had to keep filling it up and not cutting things. Yeah. Titanic, but that again, it's like Titanic is not a movie that has filler in it. No, yeah, no, 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 it zooms, it flies. Titanic does because it came on the, those two uh, VHSs, right. like the, the mm-hmm. box set VHSs. Um, and I think Pearl Harbor did too. Oh, probably. Yeah, The King and I, Fiddler on the Roof. They're all those. The sound, sound of music. music. Yeah. But like my, yeah, but my sister growing up uh, would uh, thought that the sound of music was done after the first tape, <laughs> and it was like. Wait, so she's married and that's it? This is a weird ending. <laughs> the sound of music I'm, is done after the I am, first tape. I was always a second tape kid, except for Fiddler. I thought Fiddler's first half was better. But because of the King and I and the sound of music, you know, King and I, you had the uh, the the big theatrical spectacle in the second act. Right. And the sound of music, you had the marionette puppets. So I always played the second tape. Sure. Oh, sure, sure, sure. On its own. So, yeah, I mean, this is second tape material, but like, <laughs> I don't think anybody put this second tape in. No, man. I mean, God help them if they put in the first tape. <laughs> All this... of the tapes should be burned. Yeah. No more tapes. <laughs> but you know what? This movie, it's tape. Yep. Uh, it's and tape. Yeah, the Doolittle Raid happens. And then we have this. Do we need anything more of this? Not really. The, the romance is also still burning. That's right. It we is. Got this weird scene with yeah. Kate Beckinsdale reading like voiceover. You're right. It's like Ben Affleck's reading a letter and it's her voiceover, but right. it's too quiet. Right. And yeah. then he throws it in the fire and it gets quieter. That's really <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but, and then she's like doing weird hell. stuff where she's like, 
I need to be in the fucking command She's center. She's got to be in the room where it happens. On. But also, it was so fucking obvious that spoiler alert for Pearl Harbor, yeah. Ben Affleck was going to survive and Josh Hartnett was going to die. Like yeah. they telegraphed that some from so fucking yeah. far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it honestly, it does suck to see Josh Hartnett die because he is one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah. Um, but they Not do. Not that he has much competition. No, no. But they do. I mean, he literally, <laughs> he they put his arms in like a yoke, like around his neck, and then he dies like the crucified uh-huh. Christ. Yep. Yes, they. By yep. the way, this is just something I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. They they get so they do the mission. They fly. They get the bombings off. They yep. fly west toward China. They, they crash, crash land, land in a rice paddy. Which and again, every single plane in the Doolittle raid crash landed except for one that landed in Vladivostok in the USSR. But Josh Hartnett and uh, Ben Affleck, on the other hand, again, they crash into this rice paddy yep. in China and uh, are, yep. um, are immediately intercepted by Japanese soldiers. Immediately. Yeah. 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 But you know what? At least as they're crash landing, we get a cut to see what President Roosevelt is up to. Yeah. And he delivers the the following line. Oh, here we go. So our boys are flying blind on empty tanks. <laughs> God help them. <laughs> Just in case you forgot what the stakes were, even though they've spelled out multiple times over, that they don't have enough over again. fuel God, in the they, tanks, they have to unload shit to like make the planes lighter. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I mean, this movie does not trust you to think for a second, I don't think. And well, it doesn't want you to. And I turn my brain off, so, you know, more power to them. Yeah, and so sure. then, yeah, they crash land, and then, like, Rambo yeah, 2 happens. Hartnett's yep. still alive, and he looks like he's dying, but then he's actually not, because then they're just going to kill him anyway. So like, he's, being, he's, be, he's being crucified like the yeah. Christ himself. Ben Affleck yep. pulls out his sidearm and, and administers gunishment to, like, yeah, four this, guys. Yeah, this is where we yeah. go Rambo again. Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett in this movie have more chemistry than either of them do with Kate Beckinsdale, so yeah. this moment where he's actually, like, crying over his friend, I thought was very interesting, because Josh Hartnett was not allowed to cry over Ben Affleck's death. Yeah. No, ben yeah. Affleck gets the big Oscar, yeah. I'm screaming at well, God. And then he why? gets to have the scene. It's like, no, man, she's having your baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like, that's what we were building to yeah, this ben whole Affleck time. Ben Affleck is having Josh Hartnett's ben baby. Ben Affleck's yeah. gonna raise, okay, It's fine. also definitely that thing of, like, before the shot, he had to, like, s- uh, like stand there with his eyes just wide open for two minutes to get a little bit of tear going, and yeah, then, like, yeah, had yeah. to stay there. So he had that... to do the thing that a character in the movie does where yeah. he fakes oh crying. Oh, my God, insane. Josh Hartnett is dead. Uh, ben Affleck is alive, but but, you know, empty inside. But here's the thing that I wanted to point out. You know who really suffered a lot of casualties as a result of this specific incursion? My mental health and the, the things that it then led to in terms of Japanese retaliation. Chinese civilians. Yeah, yep. this led to like hundreds of thousands of deaths. As an as an immediate and deliberate retaliation for the Doolittle raid. Yes. It's just like we can't take him to the east. We're going to go west. Eventually culminating in the rape of Nanking. So yep. there you go. Jesus Christ. And you know what? At least it's handled with like the respect and dignity it deserves uh, at <laughs> uh-huh. the hands of Michael Bay. Yeah. Oh, right. no, fuck that. We're just going to show like American flags waving dramatically. Ben Affleck gets to return home and he and Kate Beckinsdale like settle down in Tennessee again where they build this garish ass marble tombstone <laughs> in the middle of a field. That tombstone looks like it costs more than their fucking house. <laughs> and it's just out, I guess, on the lawn. And they, oh, you know what? I think we got to teach that little boy that that little boy named after his father, Danny, his dead dad. We got to teach him how to fly. <sighs> so we end the film with flying into the we sky do. in a crop duster. The Top Gun orange 
yep. sunset taking us home. Magic hour, and that's it. That's the movie. I mean, and then Faith Hill sings one of the worst <laughs> songs I've ever heard in my goddamn life. <laughs> it's not as bad as the song at the end of Heart Condition. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what song was really bad? The song from Avatar. Mm, yeah, do you even remember the Avatar song? Yeah. She even includes the line, I see you in the lyrics. It's great. Oh, God. I, yeah. I, but like, yeah, they, it's my favorite episode of BoJack. There's too. something so wild about the fact that, yeah, Josh Hartnett, then his death becomes what the whole movie hangs its hat on. Yeah. yeah. Here's this guy. Didn't you care about him so much? Didn't you? Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to. And again, meanwhile, Josh Hartnett's mom really got into that yeah. character. And meanwhile, the Doolittle raid, the, the the results of that and other U.S. covert operations leading to the, again, it's not America's fault, quote unquote, but like because of these things, there was further collateral it was damage. Was an insane decision. And you they need... did a suicide mission for the sake of propaganda. Yeah. It's always going to be debatable how effective that really is. But also, right. like again, if you want to focus on the real human cost, which I think you should, it shouldn't be fucking this imaginary character who who no. isn't a real guy. It should be the people who actually died at the hands of the the, the imperial army. You have exactly. so many real people involved. There's not in a all single this. Chinese person in this fucking no, movie. Not nope, one. Not, a not one. one. They don't exist. Like. We don't even know what happens to Ben Affleck after he just killed a bunch of Japanese soldiers in an area that they were apparently patrolling. Immediately, he's just returned back home, right? Some guys did get captured. There was one, I think, one plane worth of people who died. Most people landed in, in friendly territory and made their way back home. Right. But, like, there's no sense of that. It's just like, right. well, I shot five Japanese guys, and now I'm back in the continental U.S. with Kate Beckinsdale. Yep. And, and our new son, who... Named Danny after my dead friend. And we've got like voiceover, but it's not at the very end. So it's like, ooh, because we can't like we can't just have a disaster in the United States. We have to find a way to jerk ourselves off over it. Right. Yeah. If it's yep. World War One, which was so meaningless that Americans were suddenly like anti-war. Right. Like we have to be like, yeah, but we ended it. We saved everyone. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Every single time we have to find something to stick our dick into. Yeah. And if not, we're going to buy a pair of rubber buns. Yeah. And if we and a bottle of liquor <laughs> and oh. if we if we are attacked, we retaliate tenfold. Yes. Right. Yep. Like, I can't imagine that the decision to drop the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki was not at least a little informed. Absolutely. By the yes. fact that we were embarrassed at Pearl Harbor. Yes. One hundred percent. I mean, first of all, those are fucking war crimes. Of course. Uh -huh. You know, in a and, way. And, and the fact that war crimes were committed by the Japanese uh, Empire does not excuse war crimes committed by the United States. No. Particularly right. when that war crime was dropping the first fucking nuclear bomb. Like. Yeah. And then a second and then one. A second one. Yeah. But I think another interesting thing in terms of like narratives is just. We've talked about this a bit, but like the Disneyfication of history, yeah. you know, yes, yes. Um, in my research for this episode, I found an article called Disney's Pearl Harbor National Memory at the Movies by an author mm -hmm. named uh, Jeffrey M. White. Uh, this was published right. in The Public Historian in fall 2002. Nice. And he goes in and he sort of talks a bit about all of the different components of, you know, how this thing got made and, and sort of the different framings of what it is. He talks a bit about the historical inaccuracies of it and how, you know, ultimately they didn't focus first and foremost on pleasing the actual living memory of the event. Mm -hmm. Like they did a big mm -hmm. thing where they like 
uh, had an event at Pearl Harbor and invited a bunch of vets. Yeah, yeah. but it was more for the sake of the photo op and being yeah, like, it sure, was sure. free publicity for right. Disney, where they probably did it on like federal taxpayer dime. I, I just want to read a little bit from this. Despite its status as a love story and its expanded timeline, beginning with the air war over Britain and ending with the Doolittle raid on Japan, the Disney film reproduces the dominant structure of the Pearl Harbor story as it has been told through the last 60 years. Following a canonical form for heroic narrative, the larger-than-life story of Pearl Harbor begins with a state of innocence in romantic Mm -hmm. Hawaii, which is then Mm -hmm. disrupted by a devastating sneak attack, followed by collective efforts to fight back, setting the stage for ultimate victory. As is the case with a number of momentous events or turning points in American history, Mm. most recently September 11, because again, this was published in 2004, Pearl Harbor is usually characterized as an end to innocence. The theme of innocence, Mm. which the Disney company is uniquely suited to produce, (laughs) is evident in most Pearl Harbor films, documentary feature, and was said by the scriptwriter for Pearl Harbor to be the overriding trope for his script. And it's that poor woman in her laundry. Yeah, and it goes on to say exactly that. (laughs) Certainly it was emblazoned in the promotional clips creating uh, circulated prior to the release of the film as images of a massive attack squadron swooping low over American civilians playing baseball or hanging out laundry. Oh my God. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, So like, I'm an academic, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's really, if there's, the biggest thing that I kind of took away from this yeah. was about that thing, about the innocence and about how no. this movie wants to portray America as just, oh, we were so, we just, we're just babies. We're just little babies. I'm just a baby. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the tiniest it's also, US it's, it's also interesting the way that like the Navy specifically latches onto this because right. this is the only like time that the Navy is consequential mm-hmm. in a way that like, like you can completely play positively right the world war ii is the point where the u.s navy actually matters but also you know what if you're going to be honest about the historical record you can't portray them positively at all because they fucked up so colossally you can portray them positively later maybe here no but it's also i think it's so fascinating because this film just does not work and it seems like most movies that are made by Americans about events where Americans took a major L I don't work mm-hmm. like 9-11 mm-hmm. had a shit ton of movies made about it Nick Cage played a firefighter I think in one of them Charlie Sheen was in an elevator in another one yeah it's just bad like they're yeah. not good narrative films because they don't trust them to end on just the like the the, the actual feeling these events mm-hmm. evoke in people i think it's that narratively but i also think it kind of needs to end in the disaster and the disaster needs to anchor character moments from before right but it's also that frankly if you want to be honest on a higher level about why 9-11 happened it's not like it just came out of nowhere no it's not in the same way that pearl harbor didn't just come out of nowhere there was missed intelligence there were proximate causes and Mm. there were a lot of things that led to that event happening it just wasn't an isolated thing that just happened to occur and i think the thing that that really fascinates me is that of course 9-11 happens just a few months later right yeah George Bush goes on screen and says, day that will live in infamy. We get all the parallels drawn. And this movie's presence in all of that is basically nothing. Maybe it got some more rentals at Blockbuster as more people bought it at Walmart. DVD sales did spike. Yeah. Yeah, But like the cultural cash, they didn't use like clips of this movie to sell us on anything. Yeah, nobody remembers this movie. The movie was not really seen as good. Right. It helped the movie's sales, but the movie's sales did not necessarily help 
our new propaganda efforts to begin this like war on terror and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it's just so bad that it couldn't it couldn't actually live up to it, and it didn't need to propagandize us on Pearl Harbor because the American education system had already done it. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, one of the things that it did do, I guess, the release of this movie, and this again is just quoting from that uh, that article from uh, from Jeffrey White. It goes on and it talks about the way that uh, like so much of it is basically imagined. Um, and I think this is an interesting thing here. Historian Mike Wallace worries that the histories presented in highly corporatized spaces interested more in consumer satisfaction than education mm-hmm. are likely to be more historicidal than historical. In part, this huh. is because they're reluctant to challenge or disturb reigning views of the past. Historicidal in that it's like killing it kills history. history. That's interesting. Yeah. I really like that term. And, and was was Pearl Harbor kind of a bust? Did people not really care about it? Like, yeah, kind of. But also what it maybe also did on some level was it killed interest in the history yeah. of what could have really happened in favor of this corporatized sanitized yeah. narrative. And so you don't yeah. ask those questions when right. you come away from this movie, because the, like I was saying earlier, the movie's not interested in the questions to begin with. Well, yeah, that, not at all. that idea of historicide, too. I, From Hell ends with this mm. appendix, right? From Hell is like about Jack the Ripper, and it takes the most um, circuitous, bizarre, uh, all-encompassing conspiracy theory around Jack the Ripper to tie everything together. But the appendix of it ends with talking about Ripperologists, how every couple of years mm. there's another person who has figured out who it is. Right. You know, oh, it's actually William Gull. Oh, it's actually Aleister Crowley. Oh, it's actually this painter. Oh, it's actually the guy who became the Boston Strangler or something like that. And because of that, he he uses this image of people trying to catch gulls because William Withy Gull. Mm -hmm. Gull gull catcher is a Shakespearean word for someone who is a a dumbass and easily fooled. Sure. Um, He has all these people with big nets trying to catch a seagull on the beach. Oh, interesting. The real seagull was on the beach before, but now it's flying overhead. And now the sand is completely disrupted and it's just footprints of a thousand people. That's so. And the fact that people continue to do this, continue to make myths, makes the history even more impossible to ever figure out. Yes. Yeah. And in the White article, uh, Mm -hmm. the Jeffrey White article, he talks about how so many more people have gone to the USS Arizona Memorial as a result of this. It's kind of similar, right? It's like people who want to go back to the place, who want to maybe reenact the thing or like try to relive the experience. But there's a disconnect between the experience and trying to get around the aesthetic, I guess. Yeah, right. And and getting to the core of what the thing is. Why did it happen from a material perspective? What were the proximate causes? Well, it's weaponizing history, too. Right. All Bay is really interested in is how America fought back and that this was the catalyst that then led to such an epic win for America. (laughs) Right. Like we we Mm -hmm. won World War Two. It was like, you know, it was one of it was the the big crowning jewel that we've been kind of coasting on. Right. Pretty much ever since. Yeah. It's our Uh, defining feature since 1945. And I think what Bay taps into here, which I think is very interesting because 9-11 happens a couple months later, is that there is already an American desire to want to be the victim who rises up to destroy a great enemy. And that that was present long before the two towers fell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In Team America World Police. Oh, God. There's a song called The End of an Act uh-huh. where the protagonist, Gary, sings about how much he misses his ex-love like Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor missed the point. <laughs> What's the point of Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor? Um, I think it's that you can be a cool guy and, and, and you can be you can fly planes and go. Phew, and then sometimes mm-hmm. you can even find a hot lady and have sex with her in a parachute. 
Great. Okay. Yeah. I think he just wanted to make money. I think that's that's the ultimate thing here is like Michael Bay just on background like loves America because you see that in all of his movies, including fucking Transformers. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. strictly on background though. This is purely confidential. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, this yeah. wasn't sourced from anywhere in particular. <laughs> and, but like, you know, he loves America and all this stuff, but like he doesn't make a movie with a goal. I, I think primarily he wants to make money. Well, I think I think the other thing, too, is that what I think is very telling is that even the new Transformers movies, uh, Michael Bay sure loves China, too, because they're yes. giving him yeah. they shit ton of money. All the money. Yeah. He, goes, he goes where the money is. Absolutely. And uh, I want to read a quote from him. He was on the set of Bad Boys and he and mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence were not getting along. Tale was all the time. Martin Lawrence, uh, I, I thought Bay was like an upstart know-it-all who didn't understand anything about him and Michael Bay was just like trying to get him to look good. So he pulled him aside one day and here's the quote. Eventually, I took Martin Lawrence aside and said, dude, what's your deal? I'm busting my ass to make you look good, make you look funny. And you just keep belittling me. And then here's the speech, almost like it was ready to come out. He Mm. says, I'm a black man that made it from nothing. And I said, you know what? I'm a white guy who made it from nothing. I grew up in the fucking valley. (laughs) Instant respect. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. And then everybody clapped. <laughs> I grew up in the valley. You yeah. don't get respect from anyone for that. I know. Lord. I know. But I think that's that's all oh, it is, man. man. The yeah. man is just interested. That, that's the question he ultimately wants to ask is how much are you going to put on my paycheck? Yeah. Yeah. Which, well, for instance. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you wanted to pay us, you can. You yeah. know, we have a Patreon. It's five dollars a month or more if you really want to give us money. Patreon.com slash worst of all gives you access to a whole bunch of episodes in our back catalog. Yeah. It's awesome. Check it out if you want. Brian, you have some thoughts to close yeah. this episode, don't you? So I, I I went to Hawaii in 1999. I think there was like a dental convention or some shit like that. <laughs> and uh, we decided like, oh, we'll just bring like my both my grandparents on my mom's side, my grandma on my dad's side, my my grandpa, on my dad's side had already passed away. But my my grandpa, my my mom's dad had fought in the Pacific Theater and mm. he was stationed uh, in Oahu just after Pearl Harbor, right when he got wow. drafted. And so we went there with him and you know walked around and, and saw things and eventually went to the memorial. And he, he talked about like how, you know, last time he saw Waikiki Beach, it was covered in barbed wire. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. And, you know, they just have this, it's sort of like a floating memorial, right? It's just this big white thing and it's very pretty and it's very clean um, while they just tell you all of the horrible things about the details of it all. And they have names written on the, on the feature, but you know, it's, it, the, the cleanliness of it and the, the, the stateliness of it, it makes it again, part of our whole victory narrative. And, and that was the first time I'd ever seen my own grandfather cry. Wow. And I think that's the big thing about these stories like that is if you talk to the people who were actually there, we're all gone now. Yeah. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to tell you that it's good, that it's victorious, that it's heroic. Right. They, they saw horrible things and always until they died knew that what they saw was horrible. And we have to understand that when we talk about history, the perspectives of the people who lived history have to make their way in. So I hope that that's what you draw from all of this when we talk about this absolute piece of fucking dog shit (laughs) made for money.
And when we talk about Pearl Harbor next year. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. See you next week.